Okay. Good evening. Um, we will, today is Parshas Mishpatim. We will begin the discourse on Daf Ayin Ches, Ahmed Aleph, Ahmed Bez, really. Uh, page 78, over here, on the, on the other side of the uh, Torah, or it's page 154, but in the Hebrew side, it's Daf Ayin Ches. Uh, the second column on the page, uh, by the two, by the line, beer, it's an explanation. As I've already discussed in earlier, earlier many classes, this year we are primarily occupied, and not just this year, last year and for a while, with most of the explanations of the Mimers, not the Mimarim themselves, not the discourses themselves. We've learned those in previous years. Uh, hopefully a lot of them are a big chunk of them are on our website. Uh, there is a whole bunch that we taught many years ago that are somewhere. I don't know where. If anybody knows where they are, it would be very great because I really, 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 really put my entire being into those classes, and some of them got lost, so it really, really is perturbing me. But in any case, um, the those Mamarim we taught, and now we're learning the explanation, the commentaries on these discourses. So in the Torah, in the Chumash, in this week's parasha, um, there is a, all the way in the end of Parshas Mishpatim, there is a very interesting psukim that talk about uh, the, even though the giving of the Torah was last week's Torah portion, and this week's Torah portion is already post-Matan Torah, the giving of the Torah, this a week's Torah portion primarily occupies itself with all the laws, um, yet mainly related to legal laws, different types of laws governing life, the legal elements of life. Um, yet, yet, all the way in the end of the parsha. The, the Torah goes back to Matan Torah, the giving of the Torah. And it describes the whole idea of Nasev and Ishma. People might not realize Nasev and Ishma, you don't even have a last week's parasha. Nasev and Ishma says in this week's parasha. It's a fill in. It's like, let's go back to Matan Torah, and it describes various different things. So, all the way in the end, it describes how Moshe went up the mountain during the giving of the Torah. And Aaron went up, and also Nadav and Avihu and the 70s Akanim were also allowed to come closer than where the rest of the Jewish people were allowed to come. Even though they too stayed at the bottom, but they were allowed to come to a certain, a closer, they had their own, they had their own uh, boundary, and where they can stand. The, the um, 70 elders and Nadav and Avihu, the two sons of Aaron. Now, in the end, this was catastrophic. The fact that they came closer. Because the Pasuk describes that they saw what the other Jews didn't see. These people, the Zikanim, Nodav and Avihu, they saw what others didn't see. They saw Hashem, but they didn't see God Himself. They saw His feet. Actually, the Pasuk says they saw God. They saw Elokei Yisrael, the God of Israel. Whatever, obviously. 
there's a gazillion levels in seeing Hashem. But the actual words are, they saw the God of Israel, Esolokei Yisrael, the God of Israel. And it describes that they saw what was going on beneath his feet, Metachas Raglov, and they saw Hashem's feet, because they saw Hashem sitting on a throne. And underneath his feet, they saw Kamase Livna Sasapir. It looked like bricks of sapphire. Hashem's feet were resting on bricks of sapphire. Whether his feet were resting on them or beneath his feet, there were these sapphire bricks. And and like the purity of heaven, and like the appearance of heaven to purity. So it seems like they had two visions. They saw bricks, and they saw a clear, clear sky. Rashi describes that obviously all these visions are just metaphors, and they're here to show them something. Shem was showing them, when he was showing them these sapphire bricks, and when he was showing them the clear sky, the beautiful clear sky, the message over here was, what Hashem was showing the Jewish people was, I am with you all the time. I am with you during the time, I am with you during the time of, um, when you were working, during the time of exile, when you were working with the bricks, because when Jews saw bricks, the first thing that came to their mind was exile. And they spent, hundred, they spent 200 years making bricks. So obviously that gave them a very, a very, very stunning recollection of what they have just been through 50 days earlier. They left Mitzrayim. So the bricks reminded them that those bricks that they were working, it's up there in heaven. God was with them in those bricks. But he was also with them at the time when he took them out of Mitzrayim, a time of beautiful blue sky, meaning when, it's, when everything became clear and beautiful. And that's what it means. And like the appearance of the blue sky, means you shouldn't only think that God is with you in the good days. God is with you in the hardships. And that's the way it is. It's hard and it's bright. And both of them, Hashem is there all along. That's the meaning. That, that's what Rashi says. Then it continues. That, And then the Pasuk says they ate and they... No, wait. Then the Pasuk says, wait, after this. And to the princes of the Jewish people, God did not send his hand to punish them. God did not um, simply, uh, you know, um, electrocute them. He didn't destroy them. He didn't kill them. Um, and they gazed at God. And they ate and they drank. What does this mean? So again, we need Rashi. Rashi says that there was something about this vision and the way they were reacting to the vision that they saw, that they deserved to die. Who is this? The 70 elders and not the Venavim. But God did not strike them down immediately. Because that would have ruined the great celebration of the wedding. It would have like put a deep scar in the giving of the Torah if the 70 elders and the two sons of Aaron would have perished on that day. So, Therefore, Hashem refrained from doing that. He did, however, punish them. Nadav and Aviyu were punished on another fabulous day, the day when God came down to reside in the Mishkan. Nadav and Aviyu died then when they ran in to bring the spies. Really, they were, should it, this was an extension of life because they were already 
subject to die a couple of months or almost a, a year earlier during the giving of the Torah. It's just at that time God didn't want to do it. Then the 70s Akanim also died when it says there was a fire in the camp and it consumed the at the edge of the camp. Rashi says the edge of the camp means the the Ketzinim, the, 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 the ministers, the, the princes, the, the noblemen. Who are these? These are the 70s Akanim. So they did die, all of them at the time. Um, also a year later. So, well, the Pasuk says God did not send his hand to kill them. Why not? Because he, because he didn't want to ruin it. But why, yeah, why should he have killed them? So the Pasuk continues, because they ate and they drank. What does that mean? They were looking, not that they were eating and drinking. It's not like they were standing and watching and eating pizza and eating popcorn. And imagine, like by Matan Torah, they got themselves popcorn and they were eating popcorn. No, it wasn't eating popcorn during Matan Torah. When it says they were gazing and they were eating and drinking, was they were looking at it in a very, very comfortable manner instead of being like completely shooken up by how dare we look at it. Like Moshe Rabbeinu, when Moshe saw Hashem, it says Moshe covered his eyes right away. He didn't look. They were kind of comfortable a little bit with this vision. And because of that comfort, they were supposed to die because they were looking at him as if they were enjoying themselves in eating and in drinking. There was a lack of fear and dread when they were looking what they were looking. They were supposed to die. They didn't die. God extended their life. That's the simple meaning Rashi says in the Pasuk. Now we get the commentary. Now we learned the mimer on this a few years ago. Fascinating mimer. I forgot. I forgot what we learned. This year we're going to learn the beer on the mimer, which is a more Kabbalistic explanation on that mimer that we learned. It's a fascinating thing. Um, we'll learn the inner meaning. And I have to say, I had a very, 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 very busy week. And I managed a very little, little, little preparation. Very little preparation. I hardly can say I prepared. But even with that little preparation, the mimer is unbelievable. Uh, it's a, pretty much Kabbalistic at certain points. So bear with me. And with Hashem's help, uh, the many parts that I didn't understand, hopefully, will, will come together because of uh, the merit of the class. Okay, so let's learn inside. Hine um, Noida, he's going to explain what this vision mainly is. The main context is to understand what does it mean beneath God's feet, Tachas Raglov. So he's going to explain an amazing thing. I'm just going to give a little synopsis. Moshe Rabbeinu by Harsinai and Aaron and his brothers Aaron, they went up. That means they got to see Hashem as Hashem is in the world of Atzilus. Hashem, as He is in the world of emanation, that means they got to see the essence of the divine. The the Nadav and Aviyu and the seventies Akainim, their level of soul was much lev, much lower than Moshe and Aaron, so they couldn't have Atzilus consciousness and Atzilus vision in the world of Atzilus. They perceived only the created realm. You see, Atzilus is the divine, a world that's purely godly. There's no creation yet. Creation hasn't begun. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu perceives. Because Moshe Rabbeinu lives in a consciousness that is not creation consciousness. Moshe Rabbeinu lives in constant, total um, self-effacement for Hashem to the point that there's no even a self to be effaced. That's how bitter Moshe Rabbeinu is. He is just a conduit and a channel to God without even the slightest tiny trace of ego and self 
over there. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu can stroll in the world of Atzilus and be, be at home there. That's his world. Quite on the contrary, Moshe Rabbeinu has a hard time relating to our consciousness where we feel ourselves as something and we're struggling with our egos to surrender to God. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu says, how can I even give them meat? Where do I have meat? Chassidus explains that meat means a low... The, the whole experience of meat is a lower level. Uh, Chassidus, uh, the, the mimer, my mother explained that serving meat doesn't only mean eating meat. Serving God like with the... On the level of meat means that you're serving Hashem with, with passion, with fervor, with excitement, with fiery love. Now if you can love God means that you're totally not in tune with God. What do you mean? If you can love God, you're not in tune with God? Yeah. Because if you're really in tune with God, there's no one there to love Him. It's only Him. So even the fact that you're loving Hashem, you have Avas Hashem, powerful, fiery, burning love, you're burning like a, like a flaming coals. That's a sign that you're totally on the outside. Because if you're in the inside, you're silent like a stone. You can't move. You don't have any self to love. In every love, it's I love. So loving is on the outside. In Chasidus it says, Yesh mi sha'ohev. That in the love there is a self. Moshe was beyond love. So that's why Moshe says, Ma'ayin li basar. How can I give them meat? Because how can I nurture them with meat, which is this lower kind of love, when I don't even have it? And Hashem has to tell him, Hayad Hashem. Tiktsar, is Hashem's hand too short? I can empower you to give them what they need even though you're totally beyond it. So this is, I'm just using that as an example. It's not mentioned here in the Mimer. But that Moshe Rabbeinu, he's living inside Hashem's palace. As Hashem says later also, he's, he's trusted in my house. He walks into all the rooms. He has the keys to every chamber. He's totally at home in the higher godly realm indoors. So he's in... Yes. What? Well, Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't want to go, and yeah, okay. How can? It seems like Moshe Rabbeinu has a self, and he's and he's and he and he, and he doesn't want to go because of reasons. Obviously, to be able to take every parsha in the Torah and to analyze it on this, obviously it's true, but it, it would uh, we would have to. How do you explain Moshe Rabbeinu sinning ever? that Moshe Rabbeinu sins, we don't really understand, right? Okay. Uh, it, it's the, the general madrega of Moshe Rabbeinu was that bittle. What are we going to do with this now? We'll have to, we'll have to process. Right? Okay. Now, um, Aaron, um, I'm sorry, Nadav and Aviyu and the 70s of Canaan were not, were not in that consciousness. And therefore they didn't live in that Atzilus realm. They lived only, they could only rise into experiencing Hashem as Hashem is manifesting in creation. That means that there is a creation and Hashem is the power within the creation. As opposed to Moshe Rabbeinu, by him is Enoid Movade, there's nothing but Hashem. So he's going to explain over here in the discourse that the Madrega of Hashem's, of Hashem's light that radiates in that lower world of Bria, where creation begins, because in Kabbalah speaks of four worlds. Atzilus is a world that's just, it's just an emanation of Hashem, it's nothing but Hashem. Bria is already where disconnect begins. 
Bria means yesh me'ayans. Hashem created something. There is already Metzias. There is some substance of existence that's other, that at least perceives itself other than Hashem. That's Bria. So in, now we know Hashem is everywhere. So even in, the, even in the realm of Bria, Hashem also reaches into that realm. But as Hashem manifests in Bria, it's called Hashem's feet. That's the meaning of a tachas raglov, beneath his feet. Why? Because they saw Hashem sitting on a throne. They saw his feet. Kiviyach, let's understand this all allegorically, metaphorically speaking. This is all, as you say, anthropomorphically speaking. Meaning it's not, these are all, we're using terms, borrowing terms. But the Torah uses it. So if the Torah uses the terms, we have to get a little bit of an understanding of it. When we say Hashem is sitting on a throne, the kisei, the meaning of a throne, really what this throne represents, is that the kisei is a hefzik. It's a kisui. The word kisei, which means a, chi, a chair, also comes from the word case, a cover, a concealment, an ob- obscuring thing. It says bet- between the realm of pure divinity and the realm where creation actually happens, there has to be a partition that is blocking the powerful radiance of Hashem's MS. Because if Hashem's MS would carry through into the world of Bria, then you couldn't have a Bria. Then the Bria would get lost in the truth of God. So in order for the Bria to be a Bria, there needs to be a Kisei, which is in, in Kabbalah, it's called a, a, a Pargud, or a Parsa. A Parsa is a Mechitza, a Paroches, a partition that blocks the light. That's the Kisei. Kisei is case Aleph. Case means it's machase, it conceals. What does it conceal on? Case, what does it conceal on? Aleph to Aleph. Who is the Aleph? Aleph is alufa yishel oilam. That's the that's Hashem. The, the or ain't sof, the pure godliness, kisei blocks, is, is machase. It covers on the powerful emes of, 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 of the Aleph of Hashem's, of Hashem's metzias of the singularity of the Ebershter. Then begins the next world's Bria. So Kisei is it kind of an intermediate between Atsilos, that's purely divine, and Bria, which is already creation. So Atsilos is that Hefzik. When you look at someone sitting on a chair, the entire body is above the chair, above the throne. The feet go down below. So that, what does that mean Kabbalistically, in, in a deeper meaning? It means that, the le, that Hashem imbues the lower worlds of Bria, Yetzirah, and Asiyah, also with godly vitality and energy. But that level of God is called Hashem's feet. Spiritually, Kabbalistically, it's the lower sefirot. We know that the, when we say Hashem is an Adam, it doesn't make any sense. Yecheskel sees... When he looks at the vision, he sees a throne and he sees an Adam. Hashem is not a man. Kiloy Adam, he's not a man. Kabbalistic, we learn, we learn all the time that what it really means, it's the Eser Sefirot. It's when Hashem manifests himself through Sefirot, through attributes, which these attributes are the same kind of personality traits like humans have. However, of course, we can understand that it's in an infinite, infinite abstraction. Let's always remember that. We have to have an infinite abstraction always because we have no clue. Yet, Hashem did create us similar to Him. So the Kabbalah speaks about that Hashem has an intellect and Hashem has emotions. There is Chachma Bina Das. That's the intellect of God. 
And there is the emotion, the seven, the seven spheres. So they represent the Adam. Now, if you look at a human body and a human being, the Chabad resides in the head, in the skull, up here, up here. The Chagas, the Chesed, Gevurit, the Feres, the main three emotions, happen weir in the torso, in the midsection. And then there is what's called Netzach, Hod, Yesod. Netzach and Hod are the two feet. Okay, Netzach, Hod, Yesod is the lower half of the body. Okay, Malchus is the mouth, fine. But generally the Netzach, Hod, Yesod is the defeat. And Yesod is the... So now when you have the, these three spheros called Nehim, Netzach, or Nehi, Netzach, Hod, Yesod, they're the legs. The Zohar says an interesting thing. That the legs are called, we're gonna see, this is what the mimer evolves around. The legs are called Labar Megufa. The main human body that makes you human is your head and your torso, which includes your hands and your body. Your feet are already considered an extension outside of your body. It's not you, it's not the essence of you. It's a stepping out of yourself. Because what do your feet really do? They take you places so that you can meet others. Exit your own little world. Person Nebuch doesn't have any feet, sits the whole day at home, and he's secluded in himself, his or herself. The feet enable you to reach out, go outside, affect the world outside of you. Right? So the hands are more plugged in, your arms are more plugged into who you are, be'etzer. Your feet, as we're going to develop this idea over here, is considered outside of you. The same is also in the realms of the divine. Kiviyachal, again I'm using kiviyachal because we have to understand that it means a million times kiviyachal. That Hashem's feet, the netzach hoid yisoid, they are what? The netzach hoid yisoid of atzilus, of the spheres of atzilus, they become the godliness of the lower worlds. That's why the three lower worlds, Bria, Yetzir, and Asiya, are considered outside Hashem, so to speak, not part of Him. And therefore, when Nadav and Aviyu and the 70 Zekanim only perceived, you hear? Only perceived the light, the godliness of the lower three worlds, Bria. They were in the world of Bria, which is very, very sublime. But yet it's creation. That's why it says they only saw Hashem's feet. That's also later in the Mimer he's going to explain when it says, Yisrael, and to the princes of the Jewish people, which are these other princes, he didn't give them his hand. Hear this. They're not experiencing the deeper emotions of Chesed and Gevura, which are the Eberster's hands. Hashem is not giving them to perceive the godliness of God's arms. They have no hasaga, they have no grasp in that higher level. At the best, they are seeing Hashem's feet and what that means. That's the idea. Then we're going to learn the amazing thing of what are these bricks that are beneath His feet and what is the clear sky that's beneath God's feet. So what does this mean? Let's read inside. He that is known... Beer al pasuk again. This is a beer on the pasuk. V'tachas raglo beneath his legs. Kamase livnei asasapir, like the work bricks and sapphire. He nenoid that is known beseid the rishtal shulos. It is known in the evolving evolvement of worlds. Shemalchus taatzilus that the level of malchus 
of the world of Atzilus. Now, just to be very brief, we know in Kabbalah there are four general worlds. Atzilus is the world of emanation. Then comes the world of Bria, which is the beginning of the world. It's the beginning of the creation's realm. It's a world primarily of neshamos, of souls. Then comes Olam Ayetzira, which is the world of formation. It's a thicker world already. It's a world that can, it has already a little bit more of a dense substance. And therefore, a malachim exists in that world, not neshamos, because, I mean, neshamos go through it, but because, because the malachim are a little bit denser in their being than souls. Souls are edelers. Souls are more refined. Souls in their source are more refined than malachim. That's why we have the power to deal with stuff that malachim can't deal with. You know, when malachim come into this world, they became corrupted immediately. Only neshamas, because they come from a higher place, have the ability to deal with the coarseness of this world. But the neshamas themselves come from the world of Bria, primarily. And the world of, 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 of Yetzir is called Olam HaMalachim. And finally, we come to the world of completion, Olam Asiyah, which means the world of action, but also means the world of completion, where the creation has fermented itself completely to become concrete, to become of substance. That's our world of Asiyah. Okay? Fine. So these are four worlds. Now, in each of these four worlds, it's important, just I'm getting a few important introductions because if you're missing one of these introductions, you might be clueless on what we're learning. So just follow the introductions. There are four worlds. Within the four worlds, there are ten spheroids, ten attributes. That means each world has its attributes. So, that, meaning Hashem's energy, Hashem's infinite light, is channeled into that world through the attributes. Those attributes are called, are set up as we spoke before in a human form. They're the kalim, oil and kalim, lights and vessels. And that's the Adam. There is an Adam in Atsilus, there is an Adam in Bria, there is an Adam in Yetzira, and then there is an Adam in the world of Asiya. There's an Adam in all four worlds. Obviously, the spheros, the attributes, as they go down lower and lower from world to world, become far more constricted, limited, and defined as these very same attributes are in a higher world where they can hardly be defined. We're going to learn an interesting idea. This that we say that, they, that uh, Yechaskel saw Kemara Adam. You know an amazing thing? Yechaskel saw Kemara Adam like the appearance of man. What? And it only says Kemara Adam, like the appearance of man, like man. It's because Yechaskel perceived the spheros from the prism of Bria. And in Bria, he didn't see Atzilus. And over there it appears like a man. Because in order for something to appear like a man, it has to be more manifest in Caleb. And only in Bria, Yetzir and Asiya is where this, these abstract energies take on a form. When it's still in Atzilus, we're used to thinking many times, oh, Atzilus, there's an Adam, there's a man. Now nah, you can't even, the Mimer says, you can't even call him Adam and Atzilus. Because Atzilus, it's pure energy. And I'll give you an example. Where do we call a person an Adam, physically in our lives? Where do you call a person an Adam, a person? When the, when the soul takes form in the body. When the neshama comes in the body. Then you say, oh, that means when the powers of the soul go into physical eyes, the koya chariya, the power of vision, goes into physical eyes. The power of action goes into the physical arms. The power of hearing goes into the physical ears. Then you have an Adam. Before that, you have a nishmas adam, a soul of man. You don't have an adam. An adam is only when things manifest in Kalim. When things 
become actualized. The kochos nefesh while they're, while they're still in the soul, before they go into kalim, it's too, too undefined to even be called Adam. The same is also above. Where do things become, the kochos, the energies of God, become kalimized? Where do they become like invested in kalim? When you get into the lower worlds, Bria, Yetzir, and Asiyah. Atzilus, even though Atzilus also has Oirois and Kalim, but the Kalim of Atzilus are so unified with God that you can't hardly call them Kalim. There's no Kalim, there's just, all it is is like the, 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 the vessels are so subtle that you don't even notice them. So in Atzilus, you can't even say Adam. Adam really begins in the lower worlds. Okay, that's just an idea to know. Now, so there is 10 spheres in each of these worlds. Now, the way that the spheres work is that they channeled from higher to lower. First God manifests in the first sphera of Olama Atzilus. The, the Orient Sof, the infinite light, first projects itself into the Chachma of the highest world of Atzilus. From there, it goes, into the, it, gets, it goes into the Bina, from the Bina into the Das. And it follows all the ten spheres of Atzilus until it gets down to Malchus. Once it reaches Malchus, Malchus already takes it into the next world. Malchus serves as the powerful, powerful filter. Malchus captures all the light of Atzilus in it. She hides all the light of Atzilus in it. And she only projects a, a ray of that light. Like the moon receives the light from the sun, hides the light of the sun, and only projects moonlight down to the earth. The same is with um, Malchus serves as this recipient from higher, hiding the light, a ray of it goes into the next world. This transitioning power called Malchus of each world that becomes the transition to the next world is Malchus, a king wears a crown. So that's why Malchus, even though Malchus is the lowest sphere of the highest world, she becomes the crown for the next world. She becomes the keser to the next world. What does keser mean? Keser means above the world. It's the energy that's still higher, transcendent, and above. And from the keser, in order for light to come down into the next world, it has to be mitigated tremendously. It has to go through powerful tzimtzum. But the, 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 the malchus of each world becomes the keser for the next world. So the malchus of Atsilos becomes the keser for Bria. The Malchus of Bria becomes the Kesser for Yetzirah. And the Malchus of Yetzirah becomes the Kesser for Asir. Now, if that's the case, so the Alter Rebbe is going to make a very interesting analogy. If the, if the Malchus of each world is the Kesser, what does the Kesser mean? It includes the entire next world. Kesser is the, Kesser is the Makif. It's the encompassing energy for everything that's going to take place in the next world. It's... Kesser usually is will, desire. It's the desire for the entire project that's going to happen. It's like a person has a project. And there's a million details in the project. But what encompasses all those details? The desire that I want to do it. I want a home. Oh, when I want a home, there's windows, there's light fixtures, there's bathrooms, there's kitchen, there's stove, there's cabinets, there's, 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 there's everything. A house is a bit. I mean, all, all the way down to the cellar and to the boiler. It's like so many different things. But first, what encompasses it all? The desire that I want a home. So the malchus, which is the, which is the keser for the next world, means it's the ratzon, it's the general ratzon of God that the next world should emanate. 
the next world should come into being. Okay? Since Malchus then is the Ratzon, therefore it's the Koach, the entire Koach for the next, for the next stage of existence. Obviously we understand there is nothing in the next world that Malchus doesn't. The, the world doesn't, doesn't have anything that's not first in Malchus. Right? So the world is only possessing what the Malchus has, nothing more than that. Okay, fine. So once we know that Bia, what does Bia stand for? Bria Yitzir and Asiya, ultimately, have all their energies only coming from Malchus. So now let's take it one step forward. Where is Malchus receiving her vitality from? The spheros above her. She is the funnel. She's the big kais. She's the big cup. We spoke about it in the Monday class. She's receiving all the lights of Atsilos are all flowing into her. But primarily, the direct influence into Malchus is only from the Netzachod Yesod from her husband. There's the Er Anpin, which are the six emotions, the emotional attributes of Atsilos, give to Malchus only from the Netzach and the Hod. Malchus cannot receive from the emotions of Atsilus, because if Malchus would receive from the emotions of her husband, she would be too intense, she would have too much light, and she would reveal too much. She couldn't possibly hold it back from the creations, and the creations would be overwhelmed with godly consciousness. So in order for the creations to happen the way they need to cre- happen, Malchus can only receive from the Netzachod Yesod level where the lights are already very, 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 which are considered, what did we say earlier? Netzachod Yesod are already considered outside your body. Lebar Maguf. It means it doesn't have the essential energy of the body in it. So oh, comes out, if Malchus, hear, hear these words, if Malchus, who's the mother of all of the creation that happens afterwards, is only receiving from the Netzachod Yesod, then we can generally say that the entire Bria, Yetzir, and Asiya only receive from God's legs. If Malchus, who is the big cup, the bull, that receives everything from higher and passes it down to the next world, if, see, they can't have more than the Malchus has. Because Malchus is the, Malchus is encompasses them all. So if Malchus is only receiving from the feet, that means that which level of the divine manifests and registers in Bria, Yetzir, and Asiya, only Hashem's feet. That's the idea that he says that Tachas Raglov, beneath Hashem's feet. Because they don't have no connection to anything that's above. Does Malchus ever receive, you want to hear something of Aldi? He doesn't say it in the Mimer here. Does Malchus ever receive from higher attributes directly? from the chesed and the gevura as well? Or is Malchus always subject just to receiving from the legs of her husband? Is she ever picked up to a higher place? Well, Friday night, that's when Malchus rises up. And that's why we say, Yamin usmoil tefrotzi. You ever wonder now? Now you'll have a deeper meaning in Kabbalah Shabbos. Yamin usmoil, the right and the left, tefrotzi. That means that the kala, the chadodi, likras kala, the kala, the bride, is going up into her husband's arms. Till now she's only connecting to his legs. Now she's going up into the arms. In the zemer that the Arizal, hear these words, in the zemer, in the song that the Arizal instituted to be sung Friday night, called Azamer Bishvachin. Right? He's a 
pieces of poetry the Arizal said. It says over there, Yamina usmala ubeinehu kala. The right hand and the left hand, ubeinehu, and between the right and the hand, left, kala is the bride. That's Shabbos. Because Friday night is aliyas ha-malchus. Malchus is rising to a much higher place. But ordinarily, creation as it is regularly, is only receiving from Hashem's feet. Now let's read inside. Malchus of Atzilus Nase becomes Keser Libria, becomes the crown to the world of Bria. Malchus the Bria and the world of Bria becomes the Keser, the Yetzirah to Yetzirah, Melmaila Lamata from up down, meaning the way godliness is passed down from world to world. The Im Cain, and if that's the case, Melmata Lamaila, if you're going to analyze it from the bottom up, and you want to see the structure of how the worlds are laid out, what will you come to? Nechshav, it is included, Klolios Bria Negedatsilus, the general of creation, Bria, which Bria means, Klolios Bria means Bria, Yetzirah, and Asiya. Everything from Bria and onward, compared to Atsilus, is called Rak Pchenas Nehi. It's only the, Atsilus is only the Netzach, sorry, Bria is only gnashing, it's only deriving its, its existence, its power, its, its beingness, from the Netzachod Yesod. Why? Because Malchus is its Keser, and Malchus is only receiving from the Netzachod Yesod. Now it's interesting. I learned this yesterday, and I just skimmed through this yesterday. It was a total puzzle. Because the word, he doesn't say because Malchus. But when I learned the other version of the Mimer, the Mittler Rebbe's, this Mimer written over here is the version, I'm not sure who's, who's, who took the notes it's usually much shorter in the Torah or, but in the Sefer Tovkov Samaches, over there, the mimer is spoken about with much more words. So over there, he adds in these, these inyanim that suddenly, ah, suddenly, I was so puzzled, I met someone else in Shul today, I said, can you explain this to me? What is he talking about? It mimer sounds like, so until you look, it's, it's, it's a secret to know, when you're learning Hasidus, Hashem should bless everyone to be able to learn on their own. Uh, when you learn Hasidus and you find, you find, the first thing you always have to do to understand Hasidus is to make copies of every version of that mimer. Then you compare the various different versions, and what one version leaves out, the other one captures. So then you can put it together and get understanding. Sometimes it's just a, it's sometimes just a half a line of a, just a few words that are thrown in by the Tzamach Tzedek or by the Mitla Rebbe, and it suddenly make, takes away such a headache where you can clapping your head in the wall, saying, I just don't get this. So, uh, but these, this is what he adds over there. Nachshav kloli is bria neged atzilus. So the general world of bria is compared compared to atzilus. Rak pchenas nehi only netzachoid yisoid, which is levar megufa that's considered outside the body. So now he's going to explain why are the feet considered outside the body? It's almost like no more the body. The body has ended. What does that mean? It's no more the essence of the divine in our case. It's like. It's like the body is extending itself outside of itself, but it's no more the essence of godliness. So he shows a very interesting thing about the difference between the arms and the feet and the, and the legs. The arms are plugged into the heart up here in the upper part of the body. And the thing about the hands are that the hands are very, very tuned into the emotions. And when a person is excited and when a person is uh, happy, the hands... Um, spontaneously reflect the joy. We'll bang, we'll sing. Anybody that comes to my classes knows how much the hands 
are naturally tuned in to the class because I'm all over the place with my hands. The feet, most of the time, are pretty relaxed. Now, it's, it can't be, it can't be, it's just because, what am I going to do with my feet? It's not because there's no, there's no explanation. What am I going to do with my feet while I'm giving the class? What am I going to do? There's not much I can do with my feet. But the truth is, it's not that. It's because the energy of the class is in my arms. It's in my hands. It's in my, but it's not on my feet. Because the feet are already considered far from the, from the head. And therefore, the concepts that are in the head are not reaching the feet, but they are reaching the arms. So the hand gestures are mamish the seichel. It's the seichel and the idea coming through because it comes through the hands dense with the, with the emotions and with the intellect because they're part of the body. Now feet can also, when a person is happy, you will dance, but you have to make a decision. Let's get up to dance. There's a certain, I'm telling myself to do it. As opposed to hands, you don't have to say. A good niggin, instantly people start clapping and banging and drumming. and Because the hands, the rhythm of the song, the joy, like flows right into the hands naturally without an effort. That is all an indication how much the arms are part of the body. Arms are chesed and gavura. How, how much they are one with the, with the essence of the inner experience of the human being, which is the intellect and the emotions. Legs. You choose when you want to use your legs. Similar to the difference we learned last week between machshava and dibur. Thought is an internal garment. What's the, what's the idea that it's an internal garment? It's part of you. And speech is an external garment. You decide when you want to talk or not talk. So it's more chitzaniest. Same as also feet and verses. So he says, Keep chesed, because chesed, it's the essence of the emotion. When the mochen are shining in it. What does that mean? Kindness. The true, real, deepest type of kindness is a person who has a conviction of the mind that one ought to give. A person understands and appreciates the greatness of being able to give and to, to the good causes, to things that are right and good. And there's all the reasons in their head that they want to give. The reasons of the, mo- the, mo- the moichen go into the kindness, and the kindness, which might be a natural person, obviously, some people are born with a more natural disposition to giving, a co- more of a kind soul. But yet, the reasons inform the emotions, and there is such a thing means an intelligent emotion. And an intelligent emotion is richer than just a natural emotion, which a person just gives naturally. You know, if you meet someone who's a giver, and it likes to give, and you ask them, and they give, but you didn't have a chance to really explain and justify why they should give. If they really understand the why, then they're going to be far more energy in that giving. It's probably going to come out in being a larger amount, and it's going to be... They're going to be more devoted to that cause and the giving of it and helping and helping others give because they understand what's behind it. If you don't get to explain what it and you just, it's, it's a nice guy who gives checks to everybody and just, you know, I'm here too. Okay, fine. So it's a far more chitzayniyistic thing when it's not connected to the mochen. But the interesting thing is the mochen, when the mochen, when there is mochen, then the mochen, the mind, actually 
goes into the heart. It means the two, the, the moyachin shine in the heart in, and the emotion itself becomes an intelligent emotion. And the hands, which are plugged into the heart, are receiving all that energy naturally. And that's love, that corresponds to a type of love where you're loving and there is a reason in the love. There is the, there is the richness of the intellect that justifies and explains why am I loving. Through the You don't have to force the love and the fear. If you're forcing the love and the fear, is a sign that you're not really, really entering. The light is not really shining from your mochen. If your mochen, the light of the intellect, is fully, fully, fully manifesting and shining, it will stimulate the emotions naturally. The excitement will come. Like without thinking, you will become excited. And... The physical arms will also reflect this spontaneity of the of, of it. That's why the, the chesed is called the right hand. The emotions themselves are called right the hands. The reason we compare them to the hands, the reason we compare them to the hands is because similar to the hands that you see that the hands are so much part of the person's experience, that the hands will, 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 will reflect what's happening inside the person. In anger, a person will bang with their hands. In joy, they will, they will, they will, the hands will... Right? So the same is also the emotions are so, so synchronized and tuned in and so one with the inner, inner convictions and inner understanding of the human being. Kamoi ha just like the hands, vazroyos and the arms. Shemar and Tnuaisasimcha that indicate the Tnua, the movements of joy. Now the Alter Rebbe could have said so many other things besides joy. Why is he saying joy? Pashas Mishpatim is always Mishanach Nasadar. So it could be that's the reason why he's when he's talking about the hands, why did he pick joy? Because, because it's other time. It's a time of simcha. So that's where the hands are. Could be. That's my own uh, little, little thing. That indicate the joy. When the person's mind is occupied with joy, so the hands will be indicate that joy without having to add any thought. That the person should think. You don't have to give any tiny bit of thought of how to make the movement. The movement is just going to happen naturally. You don't even know what your hands did. That's how much you're unaware. Like it says by the Malachim, The Deir speaks about the Malachim have wings, which is also their love and their fear of God. It says, With two of their wings, they fly. Now the word Yo'ofeif is implying that the flight happens on its own. In other words, when they get inspired, suddenly they're flying high, high, high up. Because their wings, they're not thinking. Their wings start flapping and it lifts them up and they fly. Because without, without a conscious movement, it's not heavy, it's not difficult. It happens just like that. Me'elav umemela. On its own, without. As stated in Zoyar Pashas Mishpatim, Reisha de Malka, the head of the king, which is the Chabad, the Chachma bin Adas, that's the head, Istakin bechesed gevura becomes becomes established or in the chesed and the gevura. That means that the chesed and the gevura, the kindness and the strength, which are the two arms, 
are istaken, they're, 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 they're one, they're, they're fixed with the ratio with the head. Because this part of the body is all totally synchronized and unified to become mamish one unit. That's the you, that's the body. Which is in the case of a person has another emotion. What are the emotions that we spoke earlier are associated with the legs? Netzach and Hot. So in, this, in the psychoanalysis, let's go into the human experience. What is Netzach? Netzach, victory, perseverance. It's when you, don't, when you don't have an emotion to be kind, but you're just committed to the relationship. You're committed to the kindness. It's the pure, just natural kindness without any energy of emotion or definitely not of conviction of reason. It's just, you're just committed to it. Like we say, um, a, a, a mother and children. So the mother is, of course there are times in your child's life that you're overflowing with love. But that's not the way you mother your children day in, day out, every single day, three o'clock, five o'clock in the afternoon, six o'clock in the morning when they have to, it, it, it's what? It's a commitment. You're the mother. What am I not going to do it? I'm the mother. Are you overflowing with the juice of love? No. Right now, you're actually very angry at your children. You don't even want to see them. Right now, you just want a peace of mind. But what does that mean? Just because you're you're just, right? Still, they need lunch. They need breakfast. They need school supplies. They need dinner. And you're just there. They need their laundry done. You're just going to take care of it. They need to go to the doctor. Does it mean waiting in the office? Child is sick. The child is annoying you like crazy. You're angry at this kid like for whatever. But the child is sick. You're not going to take them to the doctor. You do it anyways. That's your netzach. That's your perseverance. That's the midah in its driest form. It's just a conviction of like, I'm going to, the chesed must happen. That, that you have to force yourself. That doesn't always happen spontaneously. How many times your children nudge you for something? They nudge and they might kiss through this all day long. They nudge and they, well, you'll call with you. Are you going to call the, the, the eye doctor? I need to go. Call the dentist. I need to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm going to. And then you go, it's not that you don't love your, it's just that right now you're disconnected from the inner emotion. You're just functioning on the netzach and you have to push yourself to make it happen. So that's like you're forcing something that's outside of you. It's not you. Without intellect, umochen, and without the mochen. It's the perseverance. It's the natural love like the child, and what do we say about a child? We say a child is the legs of his father. Because, of course, parents can have much deeper love to their children. Rich love with intellect and emotion. Yeah, but that's not always there by a parent. What is the basics that's always there that you can count on and rely on is the netzach element that the child is considered the legs of their father. It means I got to do what I got to do for my children. That's called feet. Lavar mingufa outside of the body. Va'af, why are we comparing it to feet? Va'af shegama reglayim, even though the feet as well. Marim tenuasasimcha, feet also egeta tans, feet also go dance, which means that they also show the joy, berikud in the dance, be'esimchasa at the time of joy. Hainu al yadeshachoyshev, but that's only when a person thinks, eich l'rakeid, how will I dance? It doesn't happen spontaneously like the hands. Okay. 
So now, what element of God's feet is there in Bia, in Briyatsiranasi? Now, the truth is, we mentioned earlier that the that the level of God's uh, the level of Hashem's the Netzachod Yisod flows into Malchus, and Malchus translates only the Netzachod Yisod into Bria Yitzir and Asiya. But according to that, even God's feet are not arriving in Bria Yitzir and Asiya. Because it's only in the, the, the feet are Netzachod Yisod itself. That's not going into Bria, that's going into Malchus. Malchus is hiding on all the light she receives and only giving a ray of her light in Briyatsir and Asiyah. So it comes out according to that. That not even the Netzachod Yisod, they're not even in Briyat. So Hashem's feet are not in Briyat. What are we saying that His feet are dangling down, so to speak, below, below the Kisei, below the throne, into the three lower worlds of Briyatsir and Asiyah? When I understand that the feet is the last hashpa coming from Hashem, giving it over to Malchus. Malchus is taking that hashpa, redesigning it, and giving it lower. So it's hashpa from the feet, but not the feet. So how can we say that Hashem's feet are present in Briyatzir and Asiyah? For that, the Rebbe is going to add now, we have to look at another level of godliness besides the Eser Sphiros. You see the ten Sphiros as they are in each particular world, Primarily the ten spheres of Atsilus, you're right. They only manifest in the world of Atsilus. They, they influence the next world, but that is in a manner where they themselves come to an end and only the, the array of their light, so to speak, passes on. So you can't say um, it's the feet itself. It's not the feet. However, there is a higher level of the godliness called Adom Kadmon. Adam Kadmon is called Ak, Adam Kadmon, which is the primordial thought, where God in that thought envisions all of existence, all the worlds. Adam Kadmon is the Machshava Klolis. It's the very, 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 very all-encompassing general thought that Hashem has deep inside Himself, way before He's beginning the project of actually, actually coming to create any world, Hashem sort of saw the entire, all of time and space, all the levels that exist in one big picture, one, gene- one big sketch of everything. That initial thought encompasses everything. That, so in Kabbalah it says an interesting term. It says the feet of Adam Kadmon reside in Bria Yetzir Go down into Bria Yetzir that means, I'll tell you what it means, I don't know, but to try to at least think we know what it means, it's something like this. You see, when it comes to the particular emanation of Hashem's spherot and attributes, okay? So when he's, when he's making the world of Atsilus, he's emanating the moichen, the intellect, the emotions. First there is a keser, which is a desire to emanate the world of Atsilus. Then from there, there is the mochen of Atzilus, the chesed, the emotions of Atzilus, and the netzachod yisod of Atzilus. Fine. That only remains in the world of Atzilus. That doesn't go down lower. It stays in that individual world. It's like a person who has a desire to build a house. The desire to build a house includes the entire house. But right now, they're working on the bedroom. 
So when they're working on the bedroom, what's in the bedroom? Only the bedroom. So when Hashem is working on Atzilus, so to speak, the only thing that's there is Atzilus. Concept. It's not really like that because ultimately the energy that's going to pass on later is going to first be in Atzilus and then going to go to the next. So I'm giving the example of the house where you're doing uh, this particular thing is not the perfect example because I'm talking about only one room. But, the, but, but I'm just using it as an example that there's the first initial general thought includes the entire house. And that thought is much higher than the thought to build this particular part. It's still much deeper in your soul. It's still in a much earlier stage. You're still dreaming. You didn't talk to anybody about it. It didn't, it didn't manifest on concrete outside of the human being. It's still in the deepest, deepest mind. But dafka, that thought, is what encompasses the entire project, the whole entire house. And you can say that the, that the bottom of that thought includes the lower parts of whatever you're building, whatever you're doing. So that's the idea that even though the lights of Atsilus stop by the kisei, by the throne, so to speak, and it blocks the energy of Atsilus from going down into the next world, but what doesn't get blocked and what continues ultimately into all the worlds is the raglayim of the feet of Adam Kadvan. That goes down all the way. That's present even. Begashmi Mamish in our physical world. And that's why he's going to say that it's possible that even though we reside in physicality, Sheba physicality, and L'chairah, we're so far away from God's manifestation of Atzilus, how is it that Jews are willing to give their life up? Al-Kiddush Hashem. If, if Hashem is sitting in Atzilus, and you're all the way here, after a world of Bria, and after a world of Yetzira, and after a world of Asiya, your three levels of disconnect, you would give your life up for somebody. To, to be able to give your life up, the Abish has to be so real. And the answer is, the Atzilus light is not here, but Adam Kadman's light is right over here. And the Neshama picks up on that. And the Neshama senses the truth of that, of, that, of that primordial thought that's everywhere and realizes I can't separate myself from that thought. I can't disconnect from it because to separate from that is disconnecting from existence. And I can't and I'm willing to give my life up. It's not obviously... The one who gives his life up doesn't know Kabbalah and doesn't know this whole idea of Adam Kadmon and the thought. we saying is the reason why God is so imminent. God is so imminent even though he's so distant. His manifestations are distant. But his essential thought that encompasses everything is present in all levels and in all places. And that's where Al-Kiddush Hashem comes from. Okay? So let's read over here. Of Adam Kadmon they end and they conclude in the world of Asiya. However, all the other partsufim, partsufim are the individual, partsufim means a configuration. All the other lower configurations that are part of the, the, the post Adam Kadmon, when God takes it to the next level and he begins to structure all the various different worlds, they don't extend themselves all the way to Asiya. Vahapartsufim. The agulim v'yoyisher, all the pertzufim of the circles, the igulim, the 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 the, the encompassing lights, v'yoyisher and the direct lights, mistaimim lifnei ha'pars, they all end before the pars. Shebein atzilus lebria, that's between atzilus and bria. Eloshenehi da'ak, only the netzachod yisod of Adam Kadmon boykeya ha'parsa is not blocked. It's not blocked by that partition. That means it blasts through the parsa, umislapshim, and they become enclosed, bebria yitzir and asiya. 
in the Bria Tzir Nasi, like I said earlier, because in that primordial thought, that's invigorating the entire project until the very, very end. There's nothing that happens at the very end of the project that has not been thought of in that general thought to begin with. Ki'inyan ak, he explains now, because what is the idea of ak, of Adam Kabmon, who p'chines machshava, ano emloch, it's God's thought, I want to be a king. So where is God being a king? Actually, he's actually being more a king in Bria, Yetzir, and Asiya than he is in Atzilus, because Atzilus is no, everything is him. So actually, Adam Kadmon is even more concerned with Bria, Yetzirah, and physically Asiya more than any other place. So definitely, it is present here in the world of Asiya. Look, because in that primordial thought, the entire purpose of the entire, all, all worlds that are revolving at Soifa Asiya, till the very last stage of the world Asiya, because what was the whole desire of that? What was Hashem's desire? Hiskafia means we should bend our will to Him, subdue our will, and transform it. And therefore, transform the darkness of this world. That's why Adam Kadmon is able to be enclosed in Bria, Tzir, and Asiya, even though the much lower emanations, they can't, they're too powerful. But Adam Kadmon is here, and it's interesting, he uses the word mislabish. It's enclosed, but enclosed, I guess, in a very, in a very unassuming or unpervasive un, um, way. If it would be pervasive, then obviously what? we would be filled with infinite light because Adam Kadman is infinite. But it's in a way that it remains hovering like kind of as a, as a distant subconscious something. But that's an interesting idea that he says. That's why even the light-headed are the light-headed of people. Meaning people that have not developed a strong sense of spirituality. Either because they weren't born with it, they're just coarser souls. Or because they just didn't work on it during their life, or both. Yet, people that are of lower value, meaning spiritual value, because they they come from a much denser place. It's a male of someone who has an neshama of Sometimes you look at someone and you say, oh, "Wow, this person has a hoyach a neshama." He's a very spiritually sensitive person, very high soul. So you stand that this person died al kiddush Hashem. I understand. But someone who couldn't care less about anything spiritual and Yiddish guy during their life, and suddenly he becomes a martyr. <laughs> what, what happened? And the answer is because he's not, obviously, he's not a Hoyach Neshama. His Neshama is not from Atzilus, not even from Bria, not even from Yetzirah. Maybe he's from a Nefesh, the Nefesh of the world of Asiya. The answer is Ragle Ak, the feet of Adam Kadmon, end in the world of Asiya and are present over here. And he's connecting and he senses this. Unbeknown to him, he senses. Because this is present here. The netzach hod yesod of Adam Kadman, mestaimen, conclude, umislapshim. The word mislapshim is, I think, needs more clarification. It's not, but mislapshim means it's not over here only in a manner of makif. It's here in a manner where it's enclosed. Which is saying that it's very, very much present. That, that's hard to understand. Sham b'soifa it's enclosed over here in the world of Asiya. That's the meaning of Saif Ma'iseh B'machshava Tchila. The end 
of deed is in the initial thought, in, in Adam Kadmon. It's Tegekt. Tehine, so now once we have that established, so now we understand what means that there is Hashem's feet, that Bria, Yetzir, and Asiya are called, are called, they're called, they're related to Hashem's feet, and one can perceive God's feet over there. Which feet? It's not the individual levels of Sfirot, of the higher worlds, because those feet remain in Atzilus. But the feet that go down are the more distant feet from Adam Kadmon that continue on and is mislabish all the way down and bring in Atzir and Asiya. And that's what we mean when it says they saw God's feet um, when they went by Matan Torah. Now the main difference between the world of Atsilos, the world of emanation and the world of Bria, Kiba Atsilos in the world of Atsilos, He and his emanations, which means he and his lights, life forces, and Garmu, even the vessels, even the containers, Kulachad, he's totally one with them. The lights, and not only the lights, even the vessels, built Balgavul, are not finite. They're not limited. which isn't the case in the world of Bria, Malachim Unishamois, angels and souls, they are creations, and they are limited beings. In Bria, you're dealing already with fixed entities. So this you can't say it's chad with Hashem. It's not chad. It's powered by God. But you can't say it's one with God. Once it becomes fixed and defined, these things become separated, so to speak, in their consciousness as, as entities other than Hashem. Now behold, Moshe Rabbeinu had the super mega neshama coming from the world of where of Atzilus. Nigash v'nigash alavaya. Moshe Rabbein, it says in the Pasuk, Moshe Nigash El Ha'arafel. Moshe approached to the dark cloud. And he went past the cloud and he went into Atzilus. So Moshe Rabbeinu got close to the Yud Kevavke itself, which is that. What's the Yud? The Yud is Chachma, the He is Bina. He approached the essential sphere of themselves. He went up and experienced the lights of Atzilus. Which was in the case of the seventy elders, Loiro they didn't see, Veloi Hisigu and they didn't grasp, they didn't apprehend Elopchenas Tachas Raglov, only beneath his feet. What does it mean beneath his feet? That which goes down below the throne. Because when you look at the throne, what's hanging down is the feet. What's the throne? We said earlier, the throne is that parsa, case aleph. That which is kisei, it's covering up Aleph on Alufa Shalolam. It's covering up on Hashem. It's covering up on Atzilus, which is purely divine. So, Pchenas uh, Ak. So what's, but what is coming down below? Pchenas Adom Kadmon. The level of Adom Kadmon. As he becomes enclosed in the world of Bria. Because what is the throne? Who Pchenas Parsa. The throne, that's the partition. Hamafsik bein Atzilus lebriya. That makes a hefsik between Atzilus and Bria. Kisei, case, Aleph. It's a cover-up on the Aleph. 
It covers up on the oneness of God. On Shema Yisrael, Hashem Lekeinu, Hashem Echad. Atzilus is a world of Echad, it's Aleph. Once you go lower than Atzilus, there's already otherness. Chen Yecheskel. Yecheskel to Loira Ela Bebriah. He also only beheld in Bria. Kemosh Akasav, like it says, Val Demus Akisei. He saw Demus. The fact that he saw on the throne the Mus Kemara Adam, an appearance of a man, that means it's already very, it's fixed and identifiable. Because if it's Atzilus, even though we say that Atzilus is also called man, but you can't see it. If it's Kemara, if you see him like a man, means that you're talking about something that is visibly identifiable as a man. Let's understand, Yecheskel was neither seeing a physical Adam like we would imagine. But whatever it is that he saw that was fixed and defined as a man, that's only after the Oyres go into real Kalim that really define it. Like I said earlier, that a person is only called Adam when his, when his neshama, powers of his neshama, take on a real vessel. When your power of vision goes into a physical eye, when your power of hearing goes in. When all these powers are in their abstract state with the soul, you don't call it an Adam. What is it? It's a soul of a man. It's some, some abstract spirit, but it's not a man. So when Yecheskel sees the Mus Kemara Adam, it's also because he's envisioning things only after the Parsa. And after the Parsa, you have real Kalim that can identify and constrict things. Because Olam Abri is already a Mugbaldigal world, it's already a limited world. Shuhu Bibriya Balgavu, which is in the world of Bria, which is Balgavu. because he explains why. There's the Air Anpin, Nikrabishem Adam. Really, which level of the divine is called Adam? The Mochin, the level of Chachma bin Adas, is not called Adam. Adam in, in Atzilus, we usually, we saying like this, really in Atzilus the real source is Adam. But which level is called Adam? There's an Erampin. Why? Because the Mochin, the, the level of Chabad, Chachma bin Adas, you look into human being, the intellect is primarily energy, not so much vessels. And the emotions have far more kalim diga metzias than than even though there's a lot of energy there, but the energy is is more kalim dig than in than in the moichin. Kinezah nikra b'shem adam. It's called adam. His chalkus kavin, because adam. What's adam? Adam has the right side, the left side, and the middle. So in, in this air anpin, yes. Chesed gevura teferes. Ma'ashek in chachma bina. Chachma and Bina are still so close to the Ein Sof. Shehua Aras Or Sof. It's the radiance of the Or Sof. Loi Nikra B'Shem Adam. is not really called Adam. It's still too abstract to be called Adam. Good. But hold it. We're saying there's an Aaron Pin is Adam. Now he wanted to say that what? That Yecheskel is only seeing what? Yecheskel is only perceiving things in Bria. And that's why he saw Adam. Now he's saying that what that there is Adam even in Atzilus. Then you know, but we know that Atzilus itself is primarily, even though it has all ten spheres, but what dominates the whole entire world of Atzilus, the Chachma, Chachma of Hashem. Bria is dominated by Bina. Yetzira is dominated by the six emotions. So where is the real power of Adam? Where is the real level of Adam in Yetzira? Is really where Adam is. Bria, we might say, is subtle Adam. Atzilus, which is Chachma energy, can't really say. Now, obviously, every Madrega has all the Madregas inside of it. 
So in Atsilus itself, there is the Atsilus of Atsilus, there is the Bria of Atsilus, there is the Yetzirah of Atsilus, and there is the Asiya of Atsilus. So the Yetzirah of Atsilus, that's where you have Adam. But really, the Madrega of Atsilus itself is beyond Adam. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu, when he perceived God, it was Moshe Rabbeinu never calls Hashem an Adam. Yechaskel. The Abinavim call them Adam because they're perceiving already the, the divine light when it's far more containable in vessels. And what kind of vessels? Vessels that are really limiting it and containing it, and that's why it's called Adam. And in general, therefore, Kamara Adam. When it says Kamara Adam, that's only in Bria. That's the Netzachod Yesod of Adam Kadman. As it is enclosed inside Bria, Yetzira, and Asiya. Now, what did he see when he came down to that place? I'm sorry. What did the Zikanim see when they saw? By Matan Torah, when they perceived the divinity of Bria, Yetzira, and Asiya, they couldn't go up with Moshe Rabbeinu because Moshe went up all the way to Atsilas. They stayed back lower. What did they see? They saw sapphire bricks and they saw a pure, a pure sky, a blue sky. So what does this mean? Sapphire bricks and a blue sky. Unbelievable. Let's see. We know that there are two powers and dynamics of 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 um, of creation and of the spiritual life forces that make up the entire cosmic order, there are two dynamics. There is one is the energy of the name of God called Ma, and then there is the energy of the name of God called the Ban. And what does that mean? Ma and Ban are both gematrias. Ma is 45, Ban is 52. And Ma'an, so what's the difference between these, what are they gematria of? So we discussed this many times, that they're both gematria of God's name. The Yud Kevavke, the Tetragrammaton, is usually gematria 26. But when you open up the Yud Kevavke and you spell it out into all of its details, a yud becomes a yud vav dalit. A hey becomes a what? A hey becomes a hey. Oh, hey has different ways. We'll see in a minute. And the vav also has different ways. The yud always remains the same, but the hey can be different. So depending on how you fill the hey, that's what the resulting gematria is going to be. There are three ways you can fill the hays. You can fill the hays with alephs. You can fill the hays with yuds. And you can fill the haze with haze. And that's hinted to in the word, Yehei Shmei Rabba. Yehei is Yud Hei Aleph. So these are the various different names, Shmei Rabba of the great name. You, you fill the, the Shmei Rabba with the Yud K. Obviously, that will result in different gematrias. So, there is a gematria, there's four main ones. Ayin, Beis, Samach, Gimel, Ma and Ban. But we're going to discuss today only two of them. Ma and Ban. The Yudke Vavke, that's Ma, is called Milui Alfin. Is when the, 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 the Yud always remains Yud, but the He becomes He Aleph. 
The Vav, the Vav is Vav Aleph Vav, Vav, an Aleph in the Vav. And the He, the latter He is also with an Aleph. Now, let's understand what that means. If the Yud K, Vav K is filled with Aleph, first of all, then you get 45. Now, 45, the word that it spells is Ma. And what is Ma? Ma means total bittel, self-effacement. Ma means there's nothing but God. There's no, there's no substance. Ma, what is there? Nothing. That means that those entities that are receiving and experiencing the Yud K, Vav K as it is being channeled in the manner of the Yud Hey, hey, Aleph, Vav Aleph. What is an Aleph? The Aleph is the oneness of God. See, when the, when the oneness of God, unadulterated, is not being messed, and the oneness is coming through, the Alufay Shal Olam is coming through without any blockages, what are you going to result to it? What's going to be the product? The product is going to be an entity that says, it's going to be like someone like Moshe Rabbeinu who says, what am I? There's no I, there's only him. So my consciousness is, is rectified consciousness. It's where every, That's why interesting, Adam, the word Adam, is gematriyama. Aleph, Talad, Mem. Adam. Because that's a human, con, that's the real power of human consciousness, is to, is to have that seichel, that understanding, that awareness. Until we don't really live in the, in, in, until we don't really live in that ma, in that ma state, we're not really called an Adam. We're called a behemoth, an animal. An animal is unaware. The other name of God is the name Ban, 52. That's where all the blockages are. And that's when the Yud Kevavki is filled with Hayes. Instead of the Hay, the A, the Hay being a Hay Aleph, it's Hay Hay. And the other one is also Hay Hay. And the Vav lost the Aleph also, and it's just Vav Vav. When you do that, you get 52. 52 is Gematria Behema. Thursday night at Mayan Yisrael. This is all Arizal. Arizal and Kabbalah, yeah. Arizal. And in Hasidus. That's where it's discussed. Yeah. Um, the, so, um, that's 52, okay? What, 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 what kind of consciousness are that? That's where Hashem creates kind of a world where he allows the world to become something. Obviously, he blocks his light. In Kabbalah, that, how did that happen? If God is everything, and he's the substance of everything, so the Aleph should just constantly be very, very, very intense, radiating everywhere, blasting away all ego and all beingness. If he, everything is made up from him, starts with him, and emanates him. So that's where you have a whole idea of Shvirah Sakelim, the shattering of the vessels. God created the world in a manner where He allows something to break inside of Him. That's how it will turn out into a confused, disconnected world that needs to figure itself out, that needs to learn to grow and to, and to do some, some self-examination of what am I really, is to learn. And you end up with a world that's, that's bond. So really we can say, Atzilus is Ma, because it's total bittel and one with God. Bria, which name of God dominates in Bria, the name of Ban. Everything in Bria, need to be fixed. And here's an interesting thing. Even when we fix something in the lower three worlds, because at first there is what we call klipos, things that are totally disconnected. 
even when we fix them, being that we're in a lower world, even when we, when we are enlightened and we come to a state of godly consciousness, we still are very limited in our perception of how true God is and how non-existent we are. So even when we become enlightened with Him, at the best, you know what we do? We acknowledge and surrender to Him. But we still remain there. We're just, we're just submitting ourselves to Him. We're not dissolving out of our existence and receiving the full, full impact of the Ebershter's Emes. We're still a somebody, as we said earlier. Even as we spoke in the beginning of the class, even when you're loving, you're somebody that loves. You're not in a state of... In, in, in Hasidus it says, these are the two types of bitl. One kind of bitl is called bitl b'metziot. Bitl b'metziot means you're totally nullified. There's nothing there, like Moshe Rabbeinu. Another type of bitl is called bitl hayesh. What's bitl hayesh? What does bitl hayesh mean? Bitl hayesh means there is something, there is yesh, but the yesh, instead of parading around and screaming, I am, I'm the whole world, give me, you know, another salami sandwich. What is the yesh saying? I gotta serve God. The yesh is surrendering itself. That's bitul yesh. So that's ma and ba. Now, if you look inside, and you look inside the human being, we are a combination of what? Of both. Nishamma, you have the word ma inside the word nisham. Our soul is a resident, is an originated, is a native from where the Nisham is made up of Atsilus material. Our Nisham is originated up there in where a world of total ma. That's our Nisham, it's Batal Tashem. The body is a rebel. Doesn't, not only doesn't it want to submit, it wants to run around and have a good time and do whatever, 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 whatever it wants without having to think about God at all. So it's total, it's a total, it's a total, um, the body is a total uh, uh, egomaniac. So now the Abishta puts the Nishama together with the body. And what's the kavana? What is the intention? When God takes body and soul and he fuses body and soul together, what is the intention? The intention is that the ma should take the body that is from the world of Ban, Behema. And make a mensch out of that behavior. Bring the body to a state of bitl. That in Kabbalist, in Kabbalistic terminology, that means ma fixes ban. Ban is all over the place. Ban is the confused sparks of holiness that are disarranged. They're all over, and then they don't know what, where, and when. And the ma comes in and makes order in the world of ban to 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 bring the ban elements to a state of bitl. And that's what we're doing all day long. It sounds, like a, it sounds like some deep mystical Kabbalistic idea. Man fixes ban. That's what's happening. Ma fixes ban. That happens all day long. Every day you wake up in the morning, you reconnect with your ma. How do you can reconnect with your ma? Prayer. Davening. Davening is you open your neshama up. Once you've attained your neshama consciousness by Shmoyne Ezrei, you leave, or by Shema Yisrael, Hashem Alakeinu Hashem Echad, that's when you're entering into the pure knowledge and understanding and consciousness of Ma. Then you take that awareness that you have during this, you go outside in the world, and you encounter money, you encounter food, you encounter computers, cars, people, all the substances of the world. 
all these things are completely fragmented, disconnected, have nothing to see. They're just a bunch of mumble-jumble. You gather all these things together and you use them the way God wants you to use them. You're all including them into the unity of Hashem. That's the idea that Ma is being Mavarer. It's fixing the Ban, the entities of the world that comes from that shattered, broken world and, and human fixing the animal. That's what it's all about. In many ways, Jews are Ma from the world of Tikkun. Gentiles are Ban and need fixing. And the Jew goes in the exile amongst the nations and assimilates godly consciousness and brings an awareness to the nations that they too should submit and accept God. That's another form of ma is mavaraban. It's all this all playing itself out that ma and ban are the two powers within. Both of them are godly because the ban also is nothing but. But it's Hashem as He disconnected his very own energy, which is really Him, and threw it into a confused state so that we can go down and fix it. Okay, now, now let's read. Hinayeduah is known, Shema Mevarer, Uban Mizbarer. Ma is the power that does the fixing, and Ban is the, is, the, is the element that what? That gets fixed. The Ma is the fixer, and the Ban is what's getting fixed. Ma, what's Ma? Ma, upchenaz bitl be'etzem. Ma is something that is a state of vanachnu ma. It's bottle be'etzem, something that is essentially nullified. Essentially one with its source. Okay. Uban, even when ban is in a state of bitl, what kind of bitl does ban have? Hupchenaz bitl hayesh. For example, malachim. Malachim who say kadosh, 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 they sing, they, they dance to God all day long. You would think they're so holy. They're ma, no. We don't call malachim adam. Malachim are not called men. What are malachim called? What are malachim called? Malachim are called animals. They're called beasts. Why? Because they're, with all their holiness, they can't get out of the ban, the ban, the ban reality. They're, they're still, they, they still retain, they have a sense of self, and they're loving God, but they have a self. They are beings. They're not fully in tune with the real yichud of ma. So uban, ubchinas bitl, it's bitl hayesh, you have a yesh. Michael, for example, the entire camp of Michael, the archangel Michael. Ava, who loves God, Pchenas yesh. He's a yesh. So he's a yesh. And then, what does the ma do to the ban? Well, we're saying that's the ban itself. The ban is the bitl yesh. And the ma. Your influences to bring into those people or those entities that only at best have a lower bittel to infuse in them even a higher bittel, the bittel of ma. Now, now, now okay. once you know that these are two, two levels of creation or two levels in existence, one is deriving itself from the ma, from the yutke, vavke, where godliness is not obscured at all. And therefore, it's ma. And another level is where the yutke vavke comes in a manner where it does block on itself, so to speak, and therefore create the, the disconnect and that which needs to be fixed. And even when it's fixed, it's not fixed completely until you fuse it with the ma, and then you can, right? So both these, the ma and the ban, have means of expression. 
and and um, the means of expression are in which they convey what they're all about. Now, anything that that when anything that finds ex, that that expresses itself expresses itself through words. All expression comes through words. What kind of words? Oh, so Ma has its words, and Ban has its words. The words of Ma are words that are conveying the bittel of Hu Levadehu that God is and there's no one but Him. That's the bittel, that's the Ma. Those are the words we heard by Har Sinai. Onochi Hashem Elokecha, I am God, your God. In which we, when those words were speaking, it not only were they themselves ma, they caused ma all around us. All we can see is only Hashem. But these were words that were expressing ma. When Moshe Rabbeinu speaks, the words that are coming out of his mouth are what words? They're not the words of ban, they're the words of ma. It's a channel. Oh, but Moshe Rabbeinu all day long, he himself is living in ma. But we don't know it until what? Until he conveys his ma bittel, his total nullification, into osios. When he puts them into osios, now you have osios of ma. The ma is coming out. And you're seeing, wow, there's, there's total bittel over here. There's nothing else but bittel. Moshe speaks. Then there are osios, letters of ban. What are the letters of ban? The letters of ban is when you're coming from a place where what? Things that are inherently separated, disconnected from Hashem. And their Oseos, you can say, what's the Oseos of Ban? You can say, oh, the letters of, 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 of Klippa, Chas V'Shalom, that's not Ban. You see, Ban is also Kedusha. Ban, but it's, it's, it's the experience of, as we said earlier, it's Bittel, but what kind of Bittel is it? It's Bittel Ayesh, not Bittel B'Metzias. It's a something that's not. So when that type of bittel is being expressed, when something that is something and it's saying I'm doing God's will, and when it's coming to expression, that is coming to expression through the oisios, through the letters of Ban. And that's what he's going to explain now. Letters are called stones. The Sefer Yetzirah, in Sefer Yetzirah, in the Book of Formation, it refers to all osios, all letters as bricks, blocks. Letters are blocks. So, what am I saying? Oh, in Sefi Yitzir, he, he, he refers to all words, oisiyos, as, 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 um, as stones. Why are letters stones? What happens with stones? You, you build things with stones. And the way you build things with stones is you put a few stones together and then you put more stones together. You create a wall and then another wall and another wall. Then you have a room and then you put one room next to another room and then eventually you have a house. So when you take a few letters together, you have a word. And then a few words together is a few walls or a few layers. And you have a sentence and that contains an idea. And then you make a few, a few sentences together. You have a paragraph. You have a larger idea. It's like a whole mansion. And then you have a few, a few paragraphs together, you have a whole neighborhood, a bunch of homes. And then you have a few neighborhoods together, you have a whole city that's like a, a, like a book. See, it's all, it's all letters. 
Okay? So stones are letters. And just like letters don't grow, say something, a word doesn't grow, a word is fixed. An emotion, a tree can grow. Stones don't grow, they always remain the same. Words are fixed. The letters, the letters that are written in this book, they're here, they're fixed. Every, every word is a fixed thing. It's only by take and taking a bunch of them together, you create the, the thing to be a... Now, in stones, there's two types of stones. There is stones and there are bricks. What's the difference between bricks and stones? Stones are God-made stones. And bricks are man-made stones. So then what would it mean then, when we're saying over here that there's two types of stones, there is ma stones, there's ma words and ban words. Ma words are stones that are bottled be'etzem, meaning they are, they are they're godly stones. These are expressions of Hashem. That, that's Hashem's stones. Man-made means these are things that are ungodly initially, and we work on them to make them godly, to bring them to a state of bitl. So when we express, when we take our ban energy that we have within, 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 within the world, within, within ourselves, and we take all the substances of the world that are essentially deriving from ban, and we express bitl Tashem with them, we're creating letters, osios, letters, but these letters are not um, God-made, they're man-made, they're coming from below, as opposed, as we're going to see soon, in Torah, for instance, itself, there's two parts of Torah. There's Torah Shabiksav, and there's Torah Shabalpeh. What's the difference between Torah Shabiksav? Torah Shabiksav is the words that came from Hashem, these exact words, that's it. So they're stones. Torah Shabalpeh are words coming from who? From the sages, learning, extrapolating, understanding. They're called more bricks. It's coming from below. And primarily he's going to say, the words, the real bricks, are when we're actually taking all the other languages. 70 languages. And we speak Torah in these languages. These are all bricks. Because we're taking from the Ban world, from the shattered world, and we're going to see an amazing thing. The main tikkun that we do in all the gallus, the main tikkun that we do in all the gallus is Jews going in each country and country elevating sparks. But you know how we elevate the most sparks of holiness? Through the elevation of that language. And the elevation of the language becomes twofold. Business dealings that we do in the languages of the country, and as a result of that, earn money. And from the money that we do, we do mitzvahs, and we're living a godly life. All this is being elevated to godliness, but even more so, speaking the words of Torah in the various different languages. It's an unbelievable accomplishment when a brook is printed in English and it's Torah, in Spanish and it's Torah. It's literally the whole purpose of creation, the rectification. Of all the seven, it's the bricks that we are making, and we're and we're turning them into a godly, a godly, a godly uh, mansion built by all these bricks. But these are the words coming from below, as opposed to the Sefer Torah. That stones, God-made stones. These are expressions of Ma, not the expressions of Ban. Let's read inside. 
And these two Bechinois Ma and Ban have Dovar Amaviyam Lidei Giloi. They have something that brings them to a revealed state. Shame Ma, shame Ban. There is something that in the name of Ma and the name of Man has something that reveals them. What is that? These are the Oisiyois. That bring to a revealed state something that is essentially bottle, or something that is the yesh that's becoming bottle, the something that's becoming bottle, meaning something that's not really totally bottle, but it is surrendering itself. The power of the letters of the name Ma, Nikra Avonim, they're called stones. Shnei avonim, two stones. Ki even hu bria bidei shamayim. Because a stone is a godly, who, who created stones? God created stones. We're, we just have them. But God planted them here. He created them. Now he says it's interesting. This idea that a stone is a... Stones are, are the words. Stones are really the words. They're the words of God. But they're words from the world of Ma. They represent, it's actually hinted to in the word Evan. Because the, the word Evan, Evan means a stone, and the word Evan is Aleph Ban. So why is that, why is that Osios of Ma? Let's see why. Because the name Ma, 45, we said earlier, is through what? Through the, is, is when you have an Aleph in the Yud Vavke. Remember, we fill all the Yud Vavke letters with Alephs. Besides the Yud. The Hey, Vav, and Hey is Hey, Aleph, Aleph. So the Aleph runs through. So therefore, when we say Aleph, it's already symbolizing the world of Ma, the world of Bitl. But what's the Ban? What's the Ban doing there? Because Saif Kal Saif, at the very end, Ma and Ban, being that it's godly, everything, remember we said before, Atzilos has Atzilos, Bri, Atzir, and Asiya inside of it. In Ma, Bichlal, there is Ban of Ma. You can't have pure Ma. You could have pure Ma, but you, you'll see. There is the Ban of Ma. And the same is also in, in Ban, there is the Ma of Ban. So what does it mean? Now, the Ban of Ma are the letters. Because let's understand something. The expression of something, the, the Osios, the Osios are always related to Ban. Even though they're letters of Ma, why? Because expression is a certain yesh. It's a certain beingness. You see, when someone is batal betachlis, as soon as that bitl is coming to expression, it's a little less bitl. Because bitl, bitl, bitl has no expression. It's totally batal. So in order to have a bit, an expression of ma, that too is already a ban element of ma. But since, what is it expressing? It's expressing total abnegation to God, to the point that there's no yesh at all. But since it is an expression of it, it's the ban of that. So stones, what are stones? Stones are speech. And speech, that's why speech, generally speech is always in malchus. Malchus is associated with the name ban. The Ze'eranpin is associated with Ma, the higher spheros, the Ze'eranpin, and the Malchus is always, always connected to Ban. So, if you have Osios, letters of Ma, 
So it's Aleph Ban. It's the Aleph represents Ma, because Ma is, is filled with Alephs. And Ban is the Ban of Ma. That's a stone. That's a stone. It's the letters, it's the words of Ma. It's the expression of Ma. Now again, once you're expressing it, you're stepping a tiny little bit away from the Bittal. Because you're expressing. Okay? Vihinei, um, Aleph Ban, Aleph Ban, Kishem Ma, Hu Milui Alfin. Because the name Ma is the, is the Milui of Alfin. Hanasim, Edei Shemaim, they're made by heaven. Ulevenim, and the bricks. Briyab, Edei Adam, they're a creation of man. Hanasim, they are made mitit. From lime, the offer and earth. Benisrafim, and they're burnt, Bekivshon. In a furnace. Benasim, and they become Koshim Ke'even. They become hard like a stone. Umachsharim lebinyan, and they too are fit for construction to build with them. So what's this idea of making bricks? Kikaar parasti. Hashem says, like the four winds of the heaven or the four directions, I have spread you. Hashem spread us across the entire globe. We turn over the page. For the Golu Yisrael and the Yidden were not sent to Golus. The hidden add strength of the elevation. Shall I in Lushen? We hunt, we are spark hunters. We are ban hunters. We are out everywhere picking up the sparks and bringing them to Bittl. We are elevating the 70 languages to Hebrew. We're all lifting them up to the Holy Tongue. Because they all initially come from the Holy Tongue and they became separated. Now we're bringing all the languages back. Like it says, I am a wall. In Shirashirim, it says, I am a wall. So um, the sages say, Zutora, that's the Torah talking. I am a wall. Why is the Torah a wall? Because what's a wall made out of? It's made out of stones. And, but we're talking over here, not stones from heaven, but stones from earth. Bricks, that's the, what it's made out of. This Choma is made out of, when we say the Torah is a Choma, it's a wall of bricks. Because it's all the letters spoken in all the languages, beginning in Aramaic that they spoke, and then Arabic that they spoke, and Targum, the, the, the Aramaic, which is the Targum, and all the Gemara, which is an Aramaic, and Zohar, which is an Aramaic. And then there were many people who wrote words, works. Uh, the Rambam, Mishnah Torah, was written in, Ara- in Arabic. And other, other Sfarim were written, big philosophical Sfarim were written in Arabic. And then later it turned into, and then they wrote, they, they wrote and they spoke Torah in the various different languages. Ultimately it became German, which became Yiddish, in which all the Torah that was spoken about for hundreds of years in Eastern Europe, by all the big yeshivas and all the people that sat, sat and learned, and all that was all taught in Yiddish, and Dafka to speak it out and to explain everything in all these languages, which is really elevating the German language and all those languages as well. And then today, so much Torah spoke, speaking, spoken in English and in all the different languages, we're actually taking all the languages, all this, these disconnected ban, all these disconnected ban elements and bringing them to a bittel telekus. We're, we're elevating them to bittel. It's not like initially they're bottle. Initially these are languages that can be used for all kinds of purposes and, and nothing to convey anything godly. Like most speech in the world is not here directly related to something godly. 
But here the speech is elevated. Like we find like we find in the sages of the Mishnah, and we also find in the sages of the Gemara, Shadibru Gemara, they spoke in the Gemara Balash and Arami in Aramaic. Hachi Hashta or Oiboyas, maybe I'm not sure Aleph Aleph Bez. And we too translate the Torah in our language, which he means in Yiddish. That's what he's referring to, Lashen Laz. Laz is a word, Amzu, the language of these people. in which we're elevating the language to Lashen HaKodesh. So we're actually taking alien letters, things that are totally foreign to Kedusha, and we're translating them, we're bringing it in to holiness. However, in order for a brick to be a brick, the Alter Rebbe says something amazing. In order for a brick to take man-made materials and to turn it into a stone, which can later be used as for a home, which can later be used for someone to live in the house of bricks, which would mean God would live in it. In order for a brick to become a brick, you have to burn it in a furnace. That means it's not just enough to speak Torah. A person can speak Torah from today till tomorrow in all the languages. And he's not elevating it into God's unity unless all those words go through the fire of his neshama during davening. During the time of davening, when you experience Hashem Echad, you turn your neshama on. And you experience the unity of God. And as a result of that, you get excited. And your entire being goes up to 350. And you're all literally hot Boiling hot with excitement, with yearning, with passion, with fervor, to cleave, to connect, to melt in Tashem's unity. All the words you spoke during the day are now burnt up. These are the bricks. Imagine, you don't even realize, no one even realizes you're davening, you see a person davening. And what is he really? He's a huge kiln smoking to the heaven. It's got like thousands of bricks in there that are just turning into bricks. And these are godly bricks. He's transformed everything. Just the imagery of this is so awesome. Think about this. A person is davening and suddenly he's this big furnace. All the words that he spoke during the day, all the words, till now it's all the words of Torah that he spoke. He spoke in different languages. They're getting hard, they're becoming stone, they're becoming just like, they're becoming the same like Torah Shabbat South, like, like the words that God spoke. Because they're words, it's the Ban words, it's not the Ma words, because it's coming from below. You have to burn them first. In the Shema, with all your heart, with all your soul. Now he's going to add more. Not only are the words you spoke in, not only is it the words you spoke um, in actual learning that you're elevating, it's the words that you've spoken all day long, even words that aren't related to actual learning. Because from all the things that a person speaks in all languages, masomatan business dealings, which, which, which becomes uh, from the maso matan, from the business that you did. Because what happens from what happens from, How do these words become elevated? Because because from the business dealings that you spoke, you had conversations with customers and clients and so on and so forth, and the person spoke in Russian, Ukraine, uh, whatever languages they spoke, and then what? Um, you, these businesses turn into profit. From the profit, you buy food. 
And what does that do? So it's all these letters. You don't realize it. You're putting these letters are going into the food that you're eating. Because these letters are actually captured. They're going into the food that you're eating. There's so much going on that we're not visible of. We're not seeing this. It's all transformation. It's all going into what you're buying with your what you're buying with the food. It's becoming machol, food, umashken drinks. And then and then you eat that. And that food becomes calories and energy in the body. And then when you're davening, you're burning these calories up into your and suddenly it's elevated. And the power of that eating, he davens. He reads the Shema. Through this these letters are becoming burnt. When they're burnt, now is when they become useful to build with them. Like it says, when God actually did broke the languages for the first time, when they became separated to the 70 languages, they said, they were already talking about the Tikkun. There it seems like they were talking about the problem, the corruption. But from the Mimer it implies that they were already talking about the Tikkun. They saw that they became scattered, 70 languages. It says, Let us go make bricks out of this. Let's burn it. Let's burn it back into oneness. So we can turn the Levena into a stone. But all these words... Once you daven with them, once you put them and make them into bricks, what are they called? Bricks of sapphire. Livnas, that's why it means under Hashem's feet. Because let's understand, where are all these substances? They're not in the world of Atsilus. Because in the world of Atsilus, there's nothing disconnected that needs to be fixed. That's why we said earlier, Atsilus is dominated by ma. It's only stones. There's nothing, there's no bricks there. But below his feet... Which means in the lower world's Bria, Yetzir and Asiya. It says over there that Nadav and Aviyu in the 70s it came and saw Hashem by Matan Torah. Below his feet, the feet is where we go into the worlds of Bria, Yetzir and Asiya. They see Masay, Livna, Sasapir. They see sapphire stones. Now sapphire, Bechlal sapphire means a stone that you have to polish it for it to shine. That's what Sapir. Sapir means uh, it, 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 like Sphira Sa'omer. You're, you're polishing it. So these have been polished stones, polished words. Not what people call polished words. Oh, his speech was very polished. Not that kind of polish. A polished, meaning that a person refined them in his, in his holy consciousness. The Nikran, it's called Livnasa Sapir, bricks of sapphire. Sapirim umairim. They are illuminating and they're shining. And that's what he saw. That that's what it also makes sense. It fits with Rashi's pirush. Rashi, even though he doesn't say it over here, Rashi says that the bricks was the bricks that they made in Mitzrayim. What is the bricks they made in Mitzrayim? What does it really mean? It means that they were elevating sparks from Egypt. And that was being, through the bricks. And all of that was being burnt in the oven and they were elevating it and turning it into. And Hashem is showing, that's the product of the Gullus. Look what you've accomplished. Moshe, Moshe, Silos. Moshe Rabbeinu was in the world of Atzilus. V'sham ein b'chenas levena klal. There's no bricks. Rakakalu b'chenas avonim. Over there, everything is bittel. Everything is total bittel. Everything is genuine bittel. See, this bittel is a, is a force, not a force, but it's a, you're, you're, you're bringing the bittel. You're creating the bittel. It's not natural to it. Naturally, the thing is a yesh. Naturally, the thing feels itself as an eye. 
the natural state of the language of English or everything, it's an I. In English, everything is capitalized. The I is the yesh, it's felt very loud. You're making it bottle. You're adding the bittle. You're opposing a bittle. But the, that's why it's a man-made stone. And man-made shine. But the stones of, 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 of Atzillus, they're essentially bottle. That's their natural state. So therefore in Atzillus, everything is stones. Moshe never saw bricks. By him, everything is stones. He's one even with the vessels. So even the ICIs, which are the vessels, the containers, they are also one with him. There isn't a brick over there. What's a levena? A levena is semi-bittle. It's bittle, it's something that's bottle. No, the Venaviyu and the seventies Akanim, Shahoyu Mibriya, they're from a lower dimension. Ro, they saw Echshaliv Nasa Sapir, how the bricks of sapphire, Oisius shall shame Ban Bitalayesh. They saw the letters of the name of Ban of the Bitlayesh. But what else did they see? But it also says they also saw a natural blue sky. The Etsem Ashamayim Litoar. They also saw the essence of heaven. Why? Because Bria Yitzir and Asiyah, we taka have all the parts of the world that we elevate, but we also have in Bria Yitzir and Asiyah words coming from above. We have a transmission. Moshe is teaching us Torah. Words are coming from above. There is holiness. Neshama is what? Even though we're in Bria Yitzir and Asiyah, our Neshama is from Atzilus. Our Neshama is Ma. These are, so we have two things. We have letters coming from above, channels from above. We also have rectification from below. Whatever we rectify from below is called bricks, sapphire bricks. Whatever we're channeling from above is, is or we might say sometimes, words of Torah are sometimes referred to, especially if you're, spe- if you're quoting Torah. That's stones. Words of prayer, that's your words, is bricks. See, 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 in Torah itself, Torah Shabiksav is what? Stones. Torah Shabalpeh is bricks. In Torah Shabiksav, your Mavra Sedri, you're doing Shnai and Mikra. The Chumish is stones. The Targum that's translating are the bricks. See how the, the, the interplay the whole time. And, the, and, and those stones are the Etzam HaShemayim, the essence of heaven. Oisius Shel Shema, these are the Oisius of Shema. Why are they called uh, why are they called uh, shamayim? Ki shamayim Shamayim is higher than Mal- Malchus. The source of the three lower worlds is Malchus. So really, I mentioned earlier, Malchus is always the ban. Malchus is is related to ban, and the zeiranpin is related to to, to ma. Ki shamayim is bchenazah. Shamayim is the zeiranpin because ze, shama, the zeiranpin are the six emotions, still higher than 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 the lower three worlds. And Shemayim is made out of Eish and Mayim. So Chesed and Gavura, that's Eish and Mayim. So Shemayim is, or Shema, that's Shema, the Etzema Shemayim and the essence of Shemayim. These are the letters of Shema. And what does it say? The Etzema Shemayim Latohar, to purity. What does that mean? Boim, they come. Litihari Ilah, they come to the supernal purity, meaning total essential bittel. Even higher than Adam Kadmon, called Tihari Allah. In other words, these are like Hashem carving letters out in His infinite essential light. There's nothing there but His light, and He's like making, making 
making the design of letters in his infinite light. Obviously we understand that such letters that are carved out in the infinite light are one with the infinite and therefore totally bottled to him. There's nothing but him. That's the oisius that you're looking in the Sefer Torah. When you're looking in the Sefer Torah, you're seeing letters that are purely engraved from the infinite light. This is no, there's no other substance there that's bottled. You think you're, there's no ink there. There's just ain't sof. These are letters, tahari Allah. This is a supernal purity. According to Rabbi Chaim Vital, Tehari Allah means Adam Kadman. But whatever it is, and that is because um, the beginning, the end is wedged in the beginning, and the beginning and, and the end of Maisa is a Machshava. It seems like he's saying over here that this idea that he says, that the word La Tohar, the word La Tohar that I mentioned, that, that is mentioned in the Pasuk, from the last part of this piece, I told you I didn't get a chance to really prepare this well, from the last part of this piece is mashma, that the Tohar that we're talking about is going back to the Levanim, to the bricks. He saw, he saw Livna Sasapir, Uke'etzam those are the Shema letters, La Tohar, to purity, is referring to how high these letters have risen. Which letters? The letters of the bricks. How far do they go? La Tohar, all the way. Why? Because he's saying, Unless we say, no, 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 he's talking about, still about Oisius of Ma, but since it's Oisius, it's still Soif Maisa, it's considered Ma action. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what he means with that. Okay, let's continue but further. And to the princes of the Bnei Yisrael, he didn't send his hand. That's what he continues. After they had this vision, the Pasuk says that Hashem didn't punish them. He could have struck them down, could have killed them, but he didn't. Why should he have killed them? Because they were eating and drinking, meaning they were looking at Hashem in a very comfortable way, as if they're enjoying it. That's what we said from Rashi. The deeper meaning over here in the, in the Mimer is, and to the princes of Israel, who were the princes? Nadav and Aviyu, the seventies of Canaan. So the Pasig is saying a chiddush. Hear this. Even though they are atzile, what's atzile? Atzile means they are the princes. They are the most, the noblemen. But the word atzile, atzile comes from the word atzilut. Which means, even though you would think that they are which neshamas? The neshamas of atzilus. And therefore they should have what, experienced what kind of light? The light of Atzilus. So he says, no. They are only Atzilus compared to the Bnei Yisrael. The Atzile Bnei Yisrael. Compared to the souls of the rest of the people, they are Atzilus. He's going to explain now, there's something called Atzilus of Bria. It's the Atzilus element of Bria. It's the emanation of the world of Bria, but it's not real, it's not real creation, but it's not real Atzilus. Compared to Atzilus, it's called Bria. Compared to Bria, it's called Atzilus. So these Neshamas were like somehow... High, very high neshamas. So even though they are the Atzile Bnei Yisrael, Loi Shalach Hashem did not extend His hand to them, only to Moshe Rabbeinu, He can see Hashem's arms, they can only see Hashem's feet. Meaning, since they're in Olam Abriya, they can only experience God's light as there is already going through the parsa, going through the partition, into a world where there is bricks and all that kind of things. They were from the world of Bria, like all the like all the Jews that were in that generation. 
They were the important ones of that generation. And from the Atzilim, I've called you. They are from the Atzilus of Bria. They didn't send his hand. What does it mean? They didn't merit to, to apprehend as the supernal arms. That are above the throne. Which, as we spoke early in the Mimer, that the hands are still attached and connected to the head. Like we said earlier from the Zohar. The Zohar says the head of the king is stuck in Bechesed Gavura, is established in the Chesed and Gavura. Which is in the case with Moshe and Aaron. They were rooted really in Atzilus. That's why we keep on flipping Moshe and Aaron back and forth. In some places it says, who Aaron and Moshe, and some places it says, who Moshe and Aaron, because they're both on the same level. They're both from Atzilus. Who Aaron and Moshe, who Moshe and Aaron. Mizayin Royim, they're from the seven shepherds. Also says the Avais, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, they're also from Atzilus. So that was a whole different level. The Chena Avais, and also the Avais, Chena Markava. They were Mamish the chariot. Shoim Ibchenas Atzilus, they're Mamish of Atzilus. Hesigu, they apprehended Gamas Pchenas Yedayim El Yoinim. They apprehended also the supernal arms, not just the feet. They, however, were on a lower madrega, so they only got to see the feet, which means Hashem as He's manifesting in Bria. And when Hashem manifests in Bria, what happens? Over there is where you perceive bricks. Sapphire bricks. Beautiful. And that's why it also says, Vayechsu eselokim, Vayoychlu vayishtu. So now the last part, I'm mamish navigating uncharted um, territory. I had mamish learned this Glazed. I did read the, the other version of the Mimer a little more careful, but also 20 minutes before the Shear began. But this part, I Mamish just skimmed through yesterday uh, without my head here. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I, jo- I know. Let's read. So what does it say? They saw God and they ate and they drank. Now it's interesting. The word Re'iyah in Torah usually is Re'iyah. But here it doesn't say Vayiru. It says Vayechazu. And then it says, it's Matan Torah. It says, Vayachsu. It should have said, Vayachsu es Havaya. They saw Yudke Vavke, because that was revealed. Vayachsu es Kim. The answer is, because since they're perceiving everything in the world of Bria. So number one, they don't have real vision. They only have translated vision. You see, Vayachsu is the translation of Vayiru, Targum. And whenever something is translated, it's already not the real deal. A translation, you've lost a lot of the clarity already in a translation. So the reason why it says Vayechzu, because they only have an interpreted type of a vision. They didn't, because they're seeing it already in Olam Abriya, not in Atzilas, where you have, where you see the essence. Another thing is, Elohim is considered the external, the chitzonius that's covered up on Yudke Vavke. If they would have been in Atzilas, they would have saw Yudke Vavke. But since it was Vayechzu, not Vayiru, so what did they see? Vayechzu, they, they had a chizoya in Elohim. Vayoychlu, Vayishtu, as we're going to see soon, is the interplay between the Ma and the Ba. The same thing that we spoke about the stones and the, and the bricks, these are two powers, they're also called eating and drinking. We'll see that in a minute. Vayechzu, Lashen Targum, Vayechzu means 
Targum, Chinas Acharayim, that's the back. Targum is always the back. Shaloi Ro, they didn't see the Sigu, and they only apprehended Elo Chinas Elokim, only the level of Elokim. Kishem Eshomog and Avaya Elokim, because Hashem and Elokim, these two names are like the sun and its sheath. Sheath is the cover of the sun, to block the intense light of the sun. So Elokim doesn't let you see the truth of God. Now when Mashiach comes, Hashem is going to allow us all to experience Havaya. Hashem is going to take the sun out of its case. What does that mean? We're not going to see Elokim. We're going to see past the, the blockages of Elokim. We're going to see the Havaya. But they didn't. They were still seeing through Elohim. What does that mean? They were eating and they were drinking. And he's going to explain over here that only by them there was eating and drinking. But not Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu, it says he didn't eat and he didn't drink. So he's going to explain 40 days that he was in heaven. But by them it says, when they're experiencing godliness, they are eating and drinking. That's the difference of experiencing God beneath the parsa. We're experiencing God above the parsa. When you experience the divine above the parsa, what? There's no eating and drinking. When you experience the divine below the parsa, there is eating and drinking. Now, obviously, eating and drinking doesn't mean eating and drinking. It means metaphorically whatever eating and drinking represents. That's what he's going to explain. This is the eating and drinking of the world of Bria, which is man umad. That's called. Man umad ma uban. So ma uban we're already familiar with. Ma is something that's totally nullified, and ban is some. So and therefore it's being channeled from above, and ban is what something that's being rectified from below. It's the world that's surrendering to God. But he says earlier than that, he says man umad. Now man and mad are sometimes confused with ma uban. But they, they align with each other, but they're two different concepts. Man, umad, stands for Mayan nukfin, feminine waters. And mad stands for Mayan dukhrin, masculine waters. And it aligns very well. Ma is the flow from above that's called masculine waters. It's Hashem being mashpia down, masculine waters. Feminine waters is the makabal, the recipient, the world, the creation surrendering itself, yearning for godliness, wanting to receive that light, and therefore coming to a state of bittel that's called feminine waters. So the letters of ban are feminine waters. The letters of ma are male, are, are masculine waters. The walls coming from above. Kiachayas, and he's going to explain that's the difference between eating and drinking. And let me do it very quickly, just to give a brief synopsis of what I... I learned in the other mimer, which I hope is it's going to be clear over here. And that is food and drink are the same two things. Food is masculine waters and drink is feminine waters. And the reason for that is like this. Food, what does food do? When you take food, you eat it, you digest it. Food ultimately goes up into your brain, draws the chayos of the neshama, pulls the neshama, and helps diffuse the life of the neshama down Um, no, let's 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 start. Let's explain. Let, let, let's go a little, a little, a little. Let, let's back up a little bit. The way food will work is like this: you eat the food, your body digests the food. The food breaks down; it goes into your blood. The nutrients of the food go out of the food. I mean, gets extracted from the whatever junk that goes out. 
the nutrients, vitamins, whatever is good for the body, gets absorbed and eventually makes its way into the bloodstream. The blood, and then it ends up in the heart, and the heart pumps the blood out, gets oxygenated, and that's how you're alive. That's it. So you have to constantly eat. Don't eat for a couple of days, a person can starve to death. You need food, because the food produces blood. And the blood is the life juice of the person, carries the nephesh. So the heart is the pumper of life. But there's one very, very important thing. The heart needs to be plugged in. If the heart is not plugged in to the plug, it doesn't work. What's the plug of the heart? The brain. The heart needs to ultimately receive, there's, there's a koya chachayas that's in the brain, and the brain uh, activates the whole body, and the brain also activates the heart. But the brain can't be alive to activate the body without, without the blood, without the heart pumping. So there is really a, a, a the brain is the power kind of uh, for, to make the heart pump. But the heart, the brain cannot be alive unless the, unless the heart. So what's happening? So really it's like this. There is blood that eventually that goes up to the brain. But the way he explains over here, and again, I, I don't know medical science of this, but he explains over here is that bl- blood as blood is real blood and it's full bloodish kite is too coarse for it to run right into the brain, brain as it is. So the, the blood has to be thinned out and only what he calls a certain vapor of the blood, a certain very refined, fine something can go up into the brain. Bl- the blood in its... The, the, uh, so I don't know in, if the same blood that's, that goes into your toes is, is, is rushing through your brain. I'm not exactly sure what happens in the brain in terms of blood. But from the mashram over here, it's mashram that it's only a thinned out blood that goes to the brain because it has to be very, very able, uh, very refined for the brain to be able to, to, to do it. Now what takes the blood and thins it out so that it can go up to the brain so that the brain can then empower the heart where the heart can pump the blood through the body. So what really takes that? That's why you need a drink. Drinking helps the blood Without drink, the blood gets congealed, gets very, would get very, very thick, murky, thick. And, as we, and that would that's why even though our main sustenance is from food that we eat, yet the person can die from thirst. Because if they don't have a blood thinner, and they're only eating, and there isn't that liquid, so then the liquid, then the, then the blood is not going to make its way to the moich. Comes out that really is like this. The food really has the power, the energy, the power, the nutrients that have to go into the brain to get, it's all in the food. The blood, the, the drink is helping spread the blood, so to speak, and make the blood accessible to move around the entire body. That's why it is called, um, that's why the, the drink is called Mayanukfin, feminine waters. And the blood is called masculine waters. Because in the relationship also between a man and a woman and the creation of the child, the real substance and power of the kid is coming from the, from the man's, what the, the seminal drop that the man is giving. So that's the power. But the woman, her, what she is doing is, she is taking that power and actually activating it into becoming a force that will create an entire human being. So the, and again, over here, I'm not exactly familiar with the entire science, 
And let's see how the Alter Rebbe explains the science over here. But the Nikudni is that the same power that, that, that drink, shtia, drinking, is to achila, to eating. The, the, the power that the, 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 the liquid, the, 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 the water has to do to the food, to help, the, to bring the power that's in the food out into actuality, the woman's um, um, contribution in creating the child is similar to that. It's taking the male's power of creation and bringing its power out that it should be able to function. And therefore, food and drink, eating and drinking, are similar to ma and ba. The essential ma is the power of life coming from God. The ban is the work that we do to capture that and spread it. And it's only through our, uh, our yearnings for, God, for godliness that we're able to maintain that connection between the, between the godly influence from above. Because if there's no thinner, then, then what happens is the ma, the ma doesn't come down. The ma won't work. It doesn't come. There's no channeling from above unless there is. Let's read inside. Maybe it'll be, I think it will become much clearer because I'm just doing a vague memory of what I learned quickly before the Shia. Ki achayya lamata. The chayos that comes from food, as we said before, is momayla lamata. The food ultimately goes up to the brain and from there it's momayla. It, the food goes down to the stomach. And it gets cooked, meaning it gets digested because it no it, it eventually gets cooked in the liver the oil and then it becomes blood the oil and from there it goes up to the heart and from there it goes further up mamoach up to the brain and from the brain till now you're just processing the food but the actual when you finally get the energy of the food it's beginning in the brain and it's giving life to the entire body in a manner of descent. Power is diffused from the brain, to the heart, to contract and to, and to uh, contract and to expand. Yeah. And, to, and to deliver the blood, to spread the blood in all the limbs. But the power, again, the food, ultimately has to make its way to the brain. Somehow, as the food is up in the brain, it has that, the, through, not the food itself, the food through the blood goes up to the brain. However, the blood itself, the blood itself can't go up to the, to the, to the brain. Because of its thickness and its density. And the, and the gidim, the arteries, and the, what do they call them? Quran, that's further, but when it's in the moach itself, the veins that are the blood vessels that are in the brain are very, very fine, very, very fine. This is what drinking does, to soften the blood, and to weaken it, they make it very thin. It goes there, and what, what goes up to the brain? Yeah, something else goes up. Which is very, very, very... It's a, it's a fluid. It's a fluid. It's not the blood. It's a fluid. That's what he's talking about. 
Vaoz oilam and adam, and then it goes up from the blood, rak dover dak, only something very fine, the koach bilvad, and it's a power, it's just this, almost like a spiritual power. Lachluchis, it's a moisture that goes, it's a fluid that goes up lamoach to the brain, lachaskoy to strengthen the brain. Shuhu chayuz derech aliyah, this is going up. In other words, once it's up there, the brain is giving life down. That's why it's ma. That's the power of life coming down. That's the real power of the food. That once it got to the brain, the brain can now empower the entire body. Obviously, it's happening continuously. But the, the, the blood is serving to help it rise. So that's why it's feminine waters. It's rising upward. And this is the two powers of ma, nooks and feminine waters. Masculine waters, as it says in Zoyar, that during the time of Golos, there was a disconnect. The Ebeshter says, I'm asleep in Golos. There is an estalkus of the Mochen. Why? Because when there's no feminine waters coming, um, when there's no feminine waters um, bringing, pulling, or, or when there's no feminine water rising, then the brain becomes, is lacking that food, and the mochen go away. And that's why, there's no raising of feminine waters from below, during Golos, because there's no Beis HaMikdash. And the real feminine waters being raised is through the karbonas that were done at the Beis HaMikdash. Therefore, that's why a person can die out of uh, thirst, even if he eats. Finally, because the blood can't expand into the limbs because it needs the heart to pump it in the limbs. And the heart can't pump unless it's getting the power from the brain. And the brain can't power the heart unless it's receiving that fluid. And the fluid comes from the drinking that you drink, which thins the blood, which creates that thinning in the blood, that it should be able to create that fluid that eventually goes up to the brain, which powers the whole thing. How did someone know this 250 years ago? How did they have this science? It says, Bread he didn't eat. So, so that's why they perceived this whole cosmic eating. They ate and they drank. They ate and drank, meaning they were benefiting. They, when they were perceiving all of this, they were experiencing the drinking, the yearning of their souls to go up. They were also, they were also being transmitting to Transmitted to, it was being transmitted to them. So they were, they were tuning in to the cosmic brain and heart interplay of all this happening, eat and drink. But Moshe Rabbeinu was beyond that. Why? Because by Moshe it says, Lechem lo yochal, bread he didn't eat, umayim lo yishas, and water he didn't drink. It's not that he didn't eat or drink. He was sustained, however, from eating and drinking of the world of Atzilus. Which that kind of eating and drinking is not really called eating and drinking. Like it says, how do you know there is eating in Atzilus? Hashem says, I ate my forest in Divshi with my honey mustard uh, salad. Uh, Hashem says, Eat my friends. Shesu, drink. Chachma and Bina are called eating and drinking. Chachma is eating. Why? What happens what we said earlier? The food that you're eating contains the entire body. I'm sorry, contains the energy for the body. But what happens with the food? Unless you drink, what happens? This 
power is not activated and it's not diffused. It's all there. It gets stuck in the stomach. It's not going anywhere. You need to drink to do what? To help the food spread, the power of the food to disseminate, to open up and to enliven the entire body. So to Chachma is a Nekuda, a point. You can't open up this Nekuda until what? Unless you have the Bina. What does the Bina do? It activates everything in it. The Yatza Kabarak Chitzai, like a Barak, like a lightning Chitzai, the arrow, that's Chachma. Bina it's drinking the The drink opens it up and expands. Bina takes a thought and expands it into an entire, an entire concept. From one little uh, uh, phrase, becomes an entire spashtus. The same like the mother does to the seminal drop. Same thing. And that's also Bina. Bina is the mother. Just like the drop. is a little point. It's a seminal drop that has the potential for the entire child. And then it gets grows in the mother's womb. Through remaining in the beten in the in the womb. Her aim of the mother, Tisha Chadash, in nine months, Leo's Pitsi for it to be in the image of limbs, as it is known, that the level of Zah, that initially Zair Ampin, when it's in a state of, in a state of, 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 when it's still in the state of development, it's, it's like a baby folded up completely. And then it develops through the mother. is to become full for. Six directions. Kol echad and all of them are included. All lios ele, for them to become thirty-six, because there's six midas, and then each one includes all the others. Six times six is thirty-six, and who does that? Bina does that, which makes ele. Ele is thirty-six. It's the same letters as Leia. Bina Rachel is Malchus. Bina is Leia. Leia is the mother. She turns in Eila. She develops the child that the father gives the point. The mother develops it to be Eila, to be a full. Leia, Yolda, she Shabanim. She gives birth. And Leia Taka has six sons. Bina has six sons. Then it gets even bigger. Because the six sons that Leia had were his first six. Guess what happened to her six sons? Eventually they become 600,000. Technically, she's not the mother of all the 600,000, but that's the idea. From six becomes 600,000. Hare Shishim is 60. So it becomes Lee's Kalam Yud, Hare Shishim is 60. Um is Gadal Oid, then it grows more Lee's Kalam Yud, Miyud, at Samach Riba until it becomes 600,000. That's stated elsewhere. So that's the same thing like drinking. That's what drinking does. It opens up the food. Same thing. Torah Shabbat is the point of divine energy. What does Torah Shabbat do? What does the, the, the oral law do? It takes every word in Torah Shabbat it opens it up, and reveals to you all the halachas and all the meaning that's there. Torah Shabbat Nikra Lechem. Torah Shabbat is called bread. Chulachmu belachmi, go have bread with my bread. Train yudin nakta, two yuds. Which it says in the song of the Arizal again. Train yud and two yuds. It's a yud. Why two yuds? Maybe the two luchais. I'm not exactly sure why the two yuds. These are the reasons of the mitzvahs. It says make tzitzis. It doesn't say any reason. Without any reason. They explain the reason. Why is he picking only tzitzis? I think because tzitzis is essentially chachma. 
because tzitzis are 32 strands. So that's Chachman. He wants to say the Torah Shabbat is Chachman. Chain, my time at the Rameir, and the same is also what is the reason of Rameir? The Gemara always asks, what's the reason? My time at the Rabbi Akiva, what is the reason of Rabbi Akiva? It means, give me one second. and that's why it's called Bishem Shtia. And that's why it's called Bishem Shtia. Making rots of a shuv. And that's why it's called drinking. You see, interesting. Drinking, you can drink even if you're not thirsty. Because there's usually much more taste than drink. Talking about bread. Of course, you can make tasty food. But bread is more of a tasteless kind of a thing. You're eating it when you're hungry. Your bread you eat when you're like walking somewhere, and you know you, you can have, you can have all the food they're giving you, but you, you feel like it's emptiness in your stomach. Say, I need to have the sandwich. I need to have the bread in it. Then you get fat because you just need a. You need, the, the the bread really comes to like fill you. Uh, you're like yeah, as long as you can eat, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's, not, it's not working unless I got the bread. So, but because you're hungry, it's like this starvation. You need something of substance. The drink is something more of taste. Shabalechem ain't tam, no taste. That's why the chachma doesn't really have taste yet. It's a, it's a flash. The bina is the taste. Only nekuda. is the broadening of it. And in general, Torah is called eating because that's when you're getting divine nutrients. You're actually bringing something of true godly substance into your being. It's giving you spiritual life. Masculine waters. Tefillah is the drinking. Because if you don't daven and you don't yearn for God, the Torah you're going to learn is not going to nurture you. It's only when you have a, thir- a, burn- a, 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 a davening, it, we said earlier, it's like, it's like burning your bricks. Also, davening is considered like the drink that takes the food that you learned and diffuses it, or else it's not giving you life. You're not getting spiritual life just because you're learning a lot of Baba Kama. It's not happening. If you're going to daven, and you're going to meditate, and you're going to get a sense of the divine, so that's Vashtiya. So again, because remember always whatever, what's the function of the drink? What's the function of the liquid? It's all Mayan Nukvin. It's all the feminine waters to help you take that hashpa that you got and absorb it and develop it. It's the raising of feminine waters. It says, What does he bring from that? I don't know. Oh, Kemayim. That's the point. That davening is compared to water, which is like drinking. Torah is compared to ah, to bread. And Tfil is compared to water. You need to both. Because if you only drink, you can't live. If you're only drinking, a lot of liquid. You don't have food. You don't have anything of real substance that can give you life. You need food. If you only eat, you only learn Torah, and you don't daven, also not working. Because you're having food, but it's too thick. It's not getting around anywhere. It's not feeding you. It's not nourishing you. You need both. You can't have eating without drinking. You can't have drinking without eating. And the mazan of the soul, you need both. Oh, but yet. So Moshe Rabbeinu's food and drink was purely chachmem bina of atzilos, and that's not called eating and drinking. Why? Let's see why. Come have bread in my bread. The Torah as it is down here below, it's 
food for your soul. V'nikra lachmu, your bread. V'ugam came, but it's lachmi keviyachol. B'shar shalamayla, and it's source above, it's my bread, it's the power of atzilus. V'zehu achiluk, and that's the difference between v'yoychlu v'yishtu. They ate and drank, they drank by Nadav and Aviyu, they were eating their bread. Shubchenaz biyah lachmu, that's, Umoyshe bahar Sinai, but Moshe was in Har Sinai. Hissig apprehended the Torah not as it is bread to the creations, but as it is bread to God, the Achilo Shtia, as it is God's eating and drinking. So he wasn't eating and drinking, it was Hashem's eating and drinking, and he was in that, in that experience of God's eating and drinking. As it is Hashem's bread on a much, much higher level, and therefore it's not considered nurturing him because he doesn't even exist as an, as an independent entity that needs to eat or drink. He's in Hashem's, totally in that godly experience where Hashem is eating and drinking, that's Torah Shabbat Shabbat. Moshe is learning Hashem's Torah. And Moshe is learning purely Hashem's Torah. They're experiencing the Torah as Torah is already translated to become an energy and a life force and a life-giving force to a creation and to sustain the creations, as opposed to the way Moshe Rabbeinu ate. And that's the Indian over here of... Uh, the story of the Nadav and Aviyu and the 70 Sikadim. Of course, it's a little bit of a different story than we generally read in the Chumash, even when we learn it well. Okay, everyone, next week, Thursday, I'm not here, so the following class is going to be after that.